question, the first question is always, are these cannibals? No, they are not cannibals. Cannibalism in the true sense of the word implies an interspecies activity. These creatures cannot be considered human. They prey on humans. They do not prey on each other. That's the difference. They attack and they feed only on warm human flesh. Intelligence, seemingly little or no reasoning power, but basic skills remain are more remembered behaviors from uh, normal life. There are reports of these creatures using tools, and even these actions are the most primitive. The use of external articles as bludgeons and so forth. I might point out to you that even animals will adopt the basic use of tools in this manner. These creatures are nothing but pure motorized instinct. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. They must be destroyed on sight. Got another meeting, Tom. Maybe we could wrap it up. No, we'll get to common ground somehow. Meanwhile, I'll report back to my colleagues who were chewing on the doors. I guess we'll table this for now. I'm glad to see you take constructive criticism well. Thank you for your time. I know we're all busy as hell. And we'll put this thing to bed When I bash your head open We're not unreasonable I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes We're at an impasse here Maybe we should compromise Five minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of January, in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along, Megan, a part of your listening day. You hear that? That is the sound of this program entering a largely Sam Adams free zone today. We used to have, uh, way back in the uh, way back in the olden days or whatever, when that Alien Gonzalez story was everywhere, I think we actually felt compelled at one point to have like a whole sounder created. And it did say something to the effect of, you are now entering an Alien Gonzalez free zone. I don't, I don't have any such sounder here. I'm just going to say that you're entering the largely Sam Adams free zone today. Oh, oh but, oh, but more specifically, this sound here, 
That's the sound of the latest submission for the worst story in the history of the world. No. Yes. Yes, Sarah, yes. Does it have anything to do with eyeballs? Maybe. No. <laughs> Would you want to know if it did? Let me ask you this. I guess not. I'm just in a theoretical sense. If today's uh, worst story in the history of the world submission did have something to do with eyeballs. I would like to know if it has something to do with eating eyeballs. But I'm but even if that were the case, would you like to know now so you could be dreading it? Or would you like to know now so you can be sort of, you know, kind of stealing yourself for it? I guess I'd rather just be pleasantly surprised. All right, well, there you go. I wouldn't use the word pleasantly, but, you know, that's up to you. By the way, Rick, thanks for ensuring our firing. Oh, yeah, I got oh. it. <laughs> Business cards uh, arrived uh, yesterday. That is uh, Bridget from upstairs. Yay. Thank you, Bridget. Those are going to get me laid. No. First of all, no. I mean, really, there's just no. I have no second act there. There's just no. A business card that says, hey, I work in the talk radio. That doesn't ever, that never worked. It works for me. All right. I have a feeling it works for you just to sort of exist, Reggie. You do seem to be luckier than everyone else in that regard. Uh, well, in any event. Uh, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Friday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You want to join us today with your comments, questions, clarifications, uh, observations, musings of whatever fashion, form, function, or manner they may be. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, uh, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking... The tedious or the mundane, and uh, this this segment, before the bottom of the hour here, uh, we have a revelation about Richie Bristol. It is pretty great, actually. And sometimes we say that, and then it's just something horrifying or off-putting or creepy or weird or some combination of the above. Um, this is something that we were we were going to talk about the other day. And then, you know, it's everything kind of, you know, the same Adams thing sort of took over the last couple of days on the show, which, you know, for, for, for good or bad. Um, but... I, I wanted to make sure that we really had the proper time to talk about this. So we will uh, we will have an exciting bit of news about our good friend Richard Bristol uh, in, the, in the next uh, few minutes here. So it is uh, Friday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for accompanying us. It is uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program here in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to email us, you can do that as well. It's uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Richie with a T. At 9.70 a.m., uh, here's what is coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us from Washington, D.C. We'll uh, talk about uh, Barack Obama, who I guess actually, here's the thing. I'm not quite at the point yet where I'm actually ready to believe anything or have like any, any small uh, glimmer of optimism that things will change. But I will say this. I guess we, like he hadn't been at that desk five minutes the other day, and he signed a whole fistful of executive orders. Uh, it, like uh, I think one, he just... I think they signed something yesterday that said that, that the, the, the Gitmo place is going to close in like a year. It's like 12 months, got to be done, closed. So, all right. Which I like just because it irritates my mother-in-law. I mean, if nothing else, really. I mean, you know, maybe make the world a better place. Maybe it won't. Doesn't matter to me. As long as it irritates Lara's parents, you know what? That's that's one in the wind column for Rick Emerson. So, uh, let's see. What else? CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will join us today. So, there's, there's new footage. Have you guys seen the new footage of the landing in the Hudson? The plane hitting the water? Yeah, I saw the new footage. Then, have you seen the pictures of the plane being removed from the Hudson? No. Oh. Is it creepy? Totally creepy and Fantastic. awesome. Fantastic. 
Uh, so Steve Kastenbaum, because he knows that we have a, a sort of a fascination with this kind of a thing, he sent uh, us last night, I don't know if you saw this, Sarah, Steve sent us last night this email that had a link to this footage of the Hudson plane. The one where you can see the things pop out and somebody jumps into the river. And you can see a guy jumping out of the plane into the Hudson River, which I guess maybe if you were afraid the plane was on fire or something, you were afraid it was going to, which I guess is maybe that's a... You know, didn't have a maybe that's a rational fear. You think, well, God, the plane crashed. Maybe it's maybe the wings are burning or something. Whatever. Guy jumps out into the Hudson River, and I think I think Steve said you got like four minutes or something in that river before you're just dead uh, from the cold. So anyway, so uh, we'll talk to Steve Castamam about that. We've once again been denied the opportunity to talk to Jim Roop because the Oscar nominations, especially you know featuring Heath Ledger. It's just unimportant, I guess. Doesn't really matter to anybody. It's not news worth discussing. Uh, so we will wait until the 2 o'clock hour. We'll talk about the Oscar nominations with Aaron Geek in the City Duran, who will be here. We will also talk about uh, this Sunday's return of CBS Radio Theater. Pardon me. <coughs> CBS Radio Theater returns this coming Sunday uh, with brand new episodes of AZ and the Adventures of the Crimson Mist. Of course, uh, AZ is a serialized radio drama taking place in modern-day Portland after the zombie apocalypse has transpired. And this Sunday's episode is especially righteous. Can you sweeten my microphone ever so slightly? Uh, because it's a prequel. So if you heard AZ the last time around, this is actually a prequel sort of documenting part of the fall of Portland to the zombies. And I have to say this, having read the script... Freaking badass is what it is. Unbelievably freaking cool. So uh, so that is this Sunday, as well as a brand new episode of The Adventures of the Crimson Mist, uh, which is an old-school superhero drama taking place in 1943 Portland. So we'll have Aaron Duran on about that. Um, let's see. Uh, our good uh, friend Darcy Zettler uh, will join us in the studio later on today. Uh, she'll be here for the uh, for the noon hour to uh, bring you some news. We'll have another installment of the greatest songs ever made. We do have this nominee for the worst story in the history of the world. Uh, let's see what else. Well, and some other crap. So we'll uh, get to all this, as well as your phone calls and so forth. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Don't forget one random on air caller today uh, will win a and one of these if you. If you've come by the station in the last day or two, maybe to pick anything up or to get tickets or you know whatever, you've seen. Have you seen that Darth Vader statue that's up front by Zen? Sweet. How righteous is that thing? Um, so I don't think we're giving that one away until I think we're giving that one away next week. I think we got a Darth to give away next week. Anyway, today it's a snow trooper. Uh, these, I mean, they're really unbelievably cool. I mean, you just said yeah, and I'm you know what, and I'm not just and, you know you know I'm not just saying that because it's things run of the world or you know sort of a, you know a partner in commerce. They, I mean, they really are very, very, very cool. So you go to uh, the Things from Another World website. You can see there. It's tfaw.com slash Rick. TFAW, Things from Another World. TFAW.com slash Rick. You can look at all these, and uh, you can actually save 75% on select Star Wars vinyl statues. By the way, that's somebody asked me this. It's not just an online thing. Um, if you actually go to any of the Things from Another World locations, and you say... Uh, Rick Emerson sent me to find those Star Wars statues. So you get 70% off selected Star Wars statues uh, at the Things from Another World location. You tell me you heard about it here. Uh, uh, but today is a snow trooper. Yesterday, Luke Skywalker. Today, snow trooper. Oh, and we still have to announce the winner of the Star Wars Yoda versus Palpatine pre-painted soft vinyl model kit. Valued at $175. I know Sarah doesn't care about any of these things. It's nice of you to pretend, though. Or at least, at least not to yawn. Really, at least to have the good taste not to just sort of go. While we're discussing it, and this is all true. We are joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stone. Hello, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing very well. How was your evening? It was fun. I'm actually working on a new project with 
with Lisa Wood. So we were uh, we got together last. Is night it a secret project? I guess not. No, it's not because I guess I put an announcement on about it. But I feel awkward because it's on at the same time as something on AM 970. So that's a little, a little strange. Okay. Maybe I'll just stare at you until you. I know. Uh, seriously, stop staring at me. Punk show. Well, yeah. Well, so let's let's do a brief announcement about it here. We'll talk more about it uh, later on. So we'll do a brief announcement. We'll find out what everybody did. We'll get some calls, and we'll talk about Richie's uh, thing. So let's give the bullet point announcement now, and we'll expand on it later. Okay, Lisa Wood, who's uh, hosted Viva La Luna on KUFO um, for quite some time now. I used to be on the Marconi Show, and she does all kinds of wonderful things on KUFO. Is one of my good friends, and we both are the lovers of the punk rock music. So we, in fact, are starting a show called The Punk Show. On Sunday nights, beginning February 1st from 7 to 9 p.m. on uh, KUFO, actually. And we're just going to be playing. Uh, we'll be talking about, you know, upcoming shows. We'll be interviewing bands. We'll also be um, playing songs from our personal collections and just, um, like, old school punk rock, um, new school, like, psychobilly, rockabilly, like, whatever we really feel like. And that is playing. not this Sunday, but a week from this Sunday. A week from this Sunday. So, so last third? night we got together. The third, the I think. First. Yeah. First. Yeah. Whatever. It's a week from the Sunday. That's the last time we got together and we were putting together like our dream list. Like, which is, it's such a dream for me. Like, but when I was 16, this would be exactly what I wanted to do. Just like force my, you know, music taste on other people. <laughs> so it's great. So I'm like, okay, so we're going to play Good some, for you. you know, some like face to face and murder city devils. And we're just like, putting, and like, and we both know diff- completely different types of punk music. So we were putting it together and like playing things for each other and stuff. Really? There's no point in being in the radio if you can't force your thoughts or opinions on other people. Seriously. <laughs> really? I got four hours a day of that. I'll tell you what's right. Mr. Man. You don't like face-to-face, you're going to. Seriously. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, speaking of forcing your taste on other people, that I mentioned, we will, in fact, today have another installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made. Awesome. As solely determined by me, Rick Emerson, arbiter of all that is good. But you know what, Rick? Today isn't about me. Today is Richie's day. That and he's already is. had such a morning. Oh, yeah. His oh, car Jesus. got squished. All right. So, yeah, we, we should talk about this. And then um, there's already some folks on hold about what I have no idea. But that's fine. It's part of the magic of radio. So we'll, uh, we'll get calls here in a second. Before we even get to your actual announcement today, Rick, so I was at my office just now uh, typing away on my MacBook, which has keys like chiclets made of the softest butter. <laughs> and uh, so there I was uh, typing away, and somebody comes up like, have you seen Richie? And I said, I don't know. Is the light in his office on? Yeah. Well, I don't know that he's probably here. And they go, oh, I, okay, we got to find him. And then somebody else came by, and I got three things in a row. Somebody came by my office. Have you seen Richie? I said, no. Somebody comes by. Have you seen Chris Paddock? No, no, I haven't. Somebody, have you seen Susan Reynolds? And I thought, oh, God. And the third one, I would, that's it. I was like, okay, there's something up. So you are now holding in your hands broken pieces of your own car. Right. That's great. So what happened to your car this morning, Richie? I got backed into by the KFO station vehicle. Well, they are about the hits. Which is now out on site right now with a dent in it. Here's the thing, and that's a dumb joke. They're not really about the hits. I was just straining to make a pun. So I apologize. Oh, wait, now that. I get it. You know, I'll never... Uh, I'll never be able to be a Portland comedian with that kind of wit. So the so the KUFO vehicle backed into your car and broke out your taillight. And uh, dented up my truck. And dented your car as a bonus. And, uh, yeah. Happy Friday, Richie. Yeah. All right. Isn't that like the second time that's happened in the parking lot yeah. in like a month? And I'm going to Seattle tomorrow, so I'm trying to figure out how to get a, you know. Oh, so is it the actual taillight or is it just the plastic? Yeah, it's just it's the, the actual whole bulb. It's not the bulb, though. No, I don't. I think it's still worth having. It, let me ask you this about taillights. I don't know these things. If you, if you're... If, in other words, the red plasticky part around your taillight bulb is broken, is it is it legal to drive, or does that does that that light have to be made red somehow? Isn't there a rap video with this in there, where you know got a broken taillight, son, and they pull you over? And I think so. I did, my guess would be that there are many, many. So it's, rap it's, videos. It's, I guess that. it's Russian roulette, you know. But I mean, but is it against the law? Like, can you have? In other words, does the light have to be red? 
in uh, your car. I, in the back, yeah. In the back. You can't have blue lights, I know that. But you couldn't have a white light. In other words, I Why guess what... You get something that, red plastic-y to just put that over it. That's what people yeah. typically do. They'll buy like a gel or cellophane. So that's my question. Is like the taillight cover is broken, but the bulb still works. Yeah. Is it legal to drive? Well, yeah, as long as you don't see white, I guess. But I've, I've had tape, put red mm, tape over it. Right. I've over before, so... It's well, there you go. Was this the car that you drove Sarah and I home in on the snow, snow yeah, apocalypse yeah, day? Well, see, well, that car's all... That's car's a piece anyway. No offense. Yeah. I mean, you know it's true. It's got, it's got dance, and of course the and you. But can't... no, that car was the only one of our vehicles that was able to maneuver in the snow. Well, that's a good car. That's from the dunes. No, yeah. it's it's a Subaru. And but by the way, it, it, the car that Richie just had his taillight busted out in. This is the car where all the windows are covered in deep gouges because during Snowpocalypse uh, 08, Richie was using I swear to God a metal license plate to scrape his windows. Yeah. This is so the now thing he can't I see out of his windows because they're all scraped up. Which I don't really understand about you because you are this combination of really smart and really maybe less smart sometimes. <laughs> I mean, Dumb. So I'm not I'm not saying this. Like, I know, am. <laughs> uh, you know a lot of things that I don't know, and you, you have many, many. It sounds like I'm talking to a retarded child. You have many. You go to many things, Richie. Yay! <laughs> oh wow. Um, but then you had it in your head that you were going to use a license plate to scrape your windows, which just seems stupid. It was efficient, but stupid. No, and it wasn't just once, like several <laughs> Repeatedly. I mean, your windows, it's, I mean, it's like somebody took a sandblaster to them. It's just, it's insane. So I think that car, you're going to be moving that car down the road to somebody else. Yeah, Rick, I just tell you, I did find an amazing story today. This is the biggest a-hole of the year story. I want really? you to read this. Just don't read it out loud, but read that and tell me if that oh, is not great. like the biggest jerk. Oh, yep. No, that's that's a big a-hole right there. That's great. Excellent. Well done. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970. I'm going to take these calls. We'll see what they're about, sort of on screen. Uh, and then uh, we'll talk to Richie Bristol, who has a big announcement for everybody. Isn't that right, Richie Bristol? Yes. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Uh-oh. Oh, I'm picking up a call and hoping that the color's there. Done. Oh, we got a pilot's game last night, so that Hi. might be... All right, hello. Hi. Hey, Rick. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm doing good. TGIF. You said it, brother. Yeah, yeah, listen, you sound a little beat down. And, and you know, I've been on hold for a little while, so I, I'm not as heated, as heated as I was with that conversation that you had with the fellow from the Willamette. I'm sorry, uh, can you back up for a second? I sound a little what? Beat down? Yeah, you, you, you said that you were feeling a little bit... Well, yeah. yesterday I was. Yeah. Yesterday. And I, I, my intention certainly isn't to isn't to beat you down uh, you know, any further, but I've I just I got to take issue. Uh-oh. And, and I, I, I know, I know. You always preface the conversation with, hey, i got to take issue. All right, hold so, on. Just before you speak, let me just say, because I'm, I'm assuming, and I just, it, please don't take any offense at this, sir. This is, this is, I don't really, please, don't be offended at what I'm about to say. Sure. Uh, Richie is, you know, joining us in the, in the studio for the opening segment here, which means that, again, no offense, these, this first round of calls isn't screened, so we're just sort of taking them as they come in. He, I said that thing at the top of the hour about how this is going to be a largely uh, Sam Adams-free show today, which is the case. That being said, because this first batch of calls is coming in without the benefit of screening, uh, we will go ahead and take these calls uh, just as as they are, and then we're going to move on, and I swear to God, it's going to be like boobs aplenty for the rest of the day. And zombies. So, all right, go ahead, sir. Hey, you're, you're a smart man, and I'm looking forward to the rest of your show, and believe me, I'm Thank looking you. forward to the John Colton concert. Um, it, it is regarding Sam Adams, so I apologize. I apologize to you and your listeners, but you're, you, you being a smart man, I, I get I get frustrated. And I, and I listen to a lot of talk radio. I sit in an office, especially on Friday, when we when we constantly compare elected officials to, to regular Joes. You, you see what I'm getting at? And and, we're, and comparing the mayor to a bricklayer. We you know we didn't elect the bricklayer. We elected the mayor. 
And you know that bricklayer, what he does on a daily basis maybe affects the homeowner, you know, maybe affects the, the business owner, but it doesn't affect a million people. His decisions that he makes don't affect a million okay. people in this community. Well, okay. I, that Upon that, we can agree. I, I will also say, though, that uh, whoever <laughs> Sam Adams chooses to stoop doesn't affect me at all. Not not one tiny little bit, unless unless everybody decides that it needs to be a big distraction. Gotcha. Doesn't affect me at all, ever, in any way, and we all know that's true. That's just a scientific fact. Doesn't affect me at all. No. Ever. I'm with you. And, and hey, and, and forgive me, it's just the whole the whole thing about it being a mistake... You know, last, last well, it's night. not a mistake. It's a lie. It, let's it, let's it, have it no is. illusions about that. It's not a mistake. It's not a misstatement. It's not a he didn't he didn't uh, wasn't a slip of the tongue. Yeah, I mean, it's just a flat out lie. But as I put on my blog today, I put kind of the final word about this as we sort of try to move on. Uh, not that we're not going to talk about it a little bit as it, as it uh, you know sort of goes one way or the other. But if in two, here's my the, the bottom line for me, if in 2009 you are still asking me to get upset when a guy lies about sex, not going to happen. I, I just don't care. Now, hey, listen, I, I listen to your shows for uh, for Boobs and Zombies, so I just there. wanted to weigh in on that. Thank you, sir. Uh, you speak look, for us all. Look Oops. forward to the rest all of the right. day. Hey, you have, a, you have a great weekend, all right? Thank you, my friend. All right. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. I, yeah, my stuff is non-Sam Adams related because I Thank you. just don't care. You got boobs? Uh, actually, caffeine. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Have you tried any of the caffeinated products on thinkgeek.com? Uh, I've seen that thinkgeek.com, they sell like uh, um, uh, caffeinated uh, like shower soap of all things, and I think like Banaka, like a breath spray sort of deal. Yeah, that has like the same amount of caffeine per shot as like a Coke or something like that. Yeah. No, I have not. I mean, I've seen them in the Think Geek catalog, but I have not. So that was uh, one thing. And the second one, I've always kind of wondered it, so I'll ask it uh, very carefully. Um, like you just said, you had a contention for like the biggest a-hole story. Yes. What's the difference between saying mm. a swear word as opposed to alluding it or alluding to it? Well, I don't know. It's an interesting point, actually. I was actually thinking about this the other day because I was watching some uh, news shows, like Anderson Cooper. Yep. And Anderson Cooper actually said he was like he was saying like are you saying he would this is anderson cooper he was asking somebody about like some sort of misstatement or some sort of misleading statement that a politician had made i forget exactly what the specifics were and anderson cooper actually said well you know this seems to basically be a lot of bs and i started thinking you know that's actually a term that i see all the time in the newspaper people will say you know like they'll quote area man thinks this road construction is a lot of bs or whatever and i think you know everybody knows what that means everybody like everybody understands what bs is so the question is like, why can't we just sort of move on? Anyway, so the, the answer, sir, is because uh, because we're children. I mean, and I don't mean us. I mean, like us as a society, and specifically the speaking of letters, the FCC, because they're just because they're children. All right, this is something I was yes. I've just been kind of kind of wondering. All right, thank you, sir. All right, best show ever. All right, thank you. All right, uh, my if you're on hold, uh, Richie will screen your calls here in a bit, and we'll uh, you know we'll we'll get to uh, we'll get to those here around the corner. All right, Richie Bristol. So we should uh, we should discuss you. All right. All right. I don't even know how to get into this at this point. Um, the, uh, Sarah, help me out. Help a, help a brother out with this. How, how do we? Uh, Richie is a man of many facets. He's so, a cross dresser. I mean, that, yeah, you're. I mean, a lovely man. Call screener, business owner, oil tycoon, uh, chats online with transsexuals. 
has weird cyber sex. Like, we don't know that yet. We do. We still haven't um, proved that. Also a cross-dresser, drag queen, performs as Rochelle, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's like, and everybody knows that you did the whole drag show at the at North Bank and all that. So, I, so really, I guess, I, I don't even know how to get into this. So everybody knows that Richie has lost a lot of weight. We've talked about that. How Richie weighed, whatever. I mean, I don't know if you if you're, are you comfortable saying how much you weighed and how much you weigh now? Uh-huh. How uh, much did you weigh? I started out at 229.5. Wow, I didn't know that. So 230 pounds, basically. What do you weigh now? About 182. That's so that's wow. wait, so that's like 50 pounds almost. 46 or so. In how long? How long did it take you to lose? Uh, since October 13th. October, November, December, January. So basically three months. Uh-huh. You've lost 50 pounds in three months? Uh-huh. And so we have alluded to the fact that you have been changing your diet, and then of course uh, you've been, you know, you've been eating a lot, uh, you know, better. But you've been working out like three, four hours a day. Mm-hmm. And somebody was said, well, like what, like what is, what is that about? Why is he working out four hours a day? So I guess we will just sort of jump right into the revelation. Richie Bristol, why have you been working out four hours a day? I'm training to be an MMA fighter. And MMA is not something that Jerry Lewis raises money for. It is what? Mixed martial arts. Which is like, and I, I mean, just people know it's like sport fight or ultimate fighting. It's that kind of a thing. Yes. Uh, so you have been training to be... It's like grappling. Exactly. <laughs> um, punching. Exactly. And kicking and choking. And so Rich, I saw you. I saw videos of you doing it. You are pretty badass. So that's the thing. See, I haven't seen the video yet. So oh, they're cool. So they're put it at uh, 970.am. So Richie Bristol... And and I, if I can ask this, how, just for the record, how old are you? I am 38 in May. Jesus. So, time to think about it. I'm like, I lie so much There's about no my age. There's no way you could I'm be 27. Bad. You're 38, and not, uh, how do we put it? Not, 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 you're, not a, you're not a large man. Uh, I would say you're a little uh, more. No. You're, you know, you, I would say you're a little on the diminutive size in terms of stature. But training to become a mixed martial arts guy, but not just training. You've actually, Indeed. you had, but you had... You had like a what is it like a qualifying match or a? Well, I have tryouts tomorrow. Uh, I've been training at Team Quest West out of Walton. What was the thing you just did though? What was the thing you that just was did? That was a double elimination submission grappling tournament. So, but Saturday. But I mean, was that like a like a testing match or a, like uh, what was that? It's just a tournament to see you know if you've got skills at yeah. all. There's different levels. There's novice, intermediate, and advanced, and you just you enter to see where you're at and you get practice, get the butterflies out and see. And so, for people who don't know, so mixed martial arts is basically it's in in many ways. A lot and a lot of people believe that it's sort of the only pure kind of sport that there is. Is it kind point. of like like UFC? It it is. Is. Yeah, well, UFC. It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah, UFC is the brand name for a certain kind of MMA. Yeah, it's exactly that. Um, uh, just like sport fight, sport fight, same thing. It's a brand name of of a type of you know. It is a certain it is a certain brand of MMA fighting. Um, sort of like uh, so so like Ultimate Fighting is to MMA as like Pepsi is to cola. I mean it's you know it's it's the, you know just a certain brand of product. Okay. Um, but it's where you put two guys in in a ring or an octagon, cage. A, a cage. And it basically is... Are you really in a cage? Yeah, cage. And, and that you can do any kind of fight. You can do boxing. You can do karate. You can do uh, jiu-jitsu. You can do uh, sort of that that Hoist Gracie kind of like, uh, you know, that, that, that like sort of ground grappling kind of a thing. Um, you can do any kind of martial art, and, it, and you don't even have to get... And the two, the two guys who are doing it don't even really have to be trained in the same area. It is a little bit like when you're a kid, and you'll get like... You'll get like a fire ant and a grasshopper. You'll be like, let's put them in a jar and see what happens. <laughs> that really is kind of what this is, because it's two guys who may be coming from different sort of areas of training. So what is it you do? What is your area of... Uh, wrestling. I wrestle. So you wrestle. Yeah. Uh, so like the Roman Greco style. Yeah. 
And so you had two matches and uh, over this last weekend. And so how did that no, turn out? No, I had out? five matches. Five actually. matches. How did it turn out? Uh, I ended up taking second place, and I won three straight matches, two of those by tap out. And that's where you make the other guys submit? Yeah, where you choke them out until they... The tap out is where, yeah, you're just like the other guy is finally like, you know, no mas. And he just gets kind of a on the mat, and that's like I, like he gives up it, throwing in the towel. Well, if they can get their hand on their mat. But there's a, and but if they can't, there's a ref there to sort of see if they lose consciousness or something, right? Yeah, like if you watch the video, I, I think Bridget's putting it up on our website right now. Uh, you'll see that like they're tapping on my head and stuff. It's and so this is, a, this is a video of you actually choking some dudes out. Yeah. That's fantastic. So what is the... So now... What is the next? What is the next step? Like, are you an official MMA fighter? No, no, no. no. What is the next? Where, where do? You, what is the steps between here and that? Uh, I've been training in multiple different martial arts separately, uh -huh. like jujitsu, judo, uh, and uh, kickboxing, Muay Thai, and I've been taking wrestling and boxing and a bunch of other stuff, and getting in shape. And then uh, to make it actually on the MMA team, you usually try out, or and so I've been training at Team Quest, which is one of the top. Fighting clubs. Of now is that nation. is that Matt Lindland's yeah, yeah. organization? We've had him on a bunch of times. Yeah, I took some seminars yeah. with him, and I got film footage of that, and, and a lot of good fighters like Scott McQuarrie and Enoch Wilson. He's featherweight champion, and Fabiano from Brazil. I've been training under them. If I could just sort of ask the question that everybody uh, it probably is, you know, has in their head right now, it's not even really a question. I guess it's just an observation. Have you given any serious? I mean, I don't know if you're given if you're given to self-reflection, Richie, or looking into one, your your own soul. Have you thought about the fact that you are simultaneously a mixed martial arts fighter now and, in fact, a cross-dresser? <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you ever like kind of look into the mirror late at night as you're sort of maybe shaving or something? You just kind of go, "Who am I? Yeah. Like, what? 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 Who? Who is Richie Bristol? Yeah. I had pink toenails and I showed up to practice and I took a sharpie and I had to paint over. <laughs> In the locker room. <laughs> Wait, I made a so you painted them over with black. Yeah, because I was actually black practicing toy. dancing and stuff. I was doing the were you the, shell yeah, while so I was practicing. That was actually going to be my next question. Is it as at any point were you training for mixed martial arts cage fighting while in fact practicing for your drag show? Yeah, actually, I lost forty pounds to fit in the dress with Team Quest. Do yeah. the guys at the drag show know you that you're a mixed martial arts fighter? Uh, it slowly leaked out, and they started looking at me weird. But then they handled it. They, I, I held it in for about a oh, month. Well, you were half. different than a lot of them, too, because you were the only straight cross-dresser, right? Yes. Do the mixed martial arts guys know you're a drag queen? Uh, it's slowly getting out. I mean, I think we kept it quiet for about a month and a half. But then when I got the poster, I gave it to my... And also you're on the radio. I gave it to the coach and uh, kind of showed guys. And he said, hey, check out this. You're rolling around with him. So I haven't <laughs> seen... So you've seen... And then we'll get... I'm pretty sure this is Lisa Desjardins here. Uh, so you've seen the video, Lisa. Yes. And is, or at least I'm sorry, Sarah. Um, and is it uh, what? I mean, is it Richie just like totally beating a dude down? Rich, it, it is amazing. I was watching it. And I was. I, I'm like my mouth, my jaw dropped. I'm like Richie is completely overpowering these enormous, like muscly men. Is it at uh, 970 a.m.? Do we yeah, know? It should be. Uh, how I just long saw it on it? on Facebook. It's three minutes. Okay, I might actually watch it during the break or something. I, is, you should. I was really. I was very proud of Richie. Is there audio that. to it? Yes. Can you hear the guy going like, oh? Uh, you put music so. to it, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, but you can hear. Please tell me it's I have the tiger. Uh, no, it's a uh, Rage Against the Machine. Ah, well, that's less interesting, but okay. You have to do I have the tiger next. And then okay. Burning Heart. Okay. All right. Uh, and then uh, Push It to the Limit from Scarface. Okay, so we'll talk more about that. I mean, it really is just. I mean, I, I guess just before I'll say one final comment, then we'll, then we'll welcome Lisa Desjardins. It's just. Uh, and I, and I mean, and I really mean this uh, in all honesty and sincerely. Just well, well done. Congratulations. Thank I mean, you. that's. Jesus. I mean, I'm you know. Like I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I don't, I, I don't do anything like that. 
because I'm largely purposeless uh, in my life. So, um, really, I mean, that's uh, it is very cool, and that's an understatement. So, and we'll talk more about that. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, Richie Bristol, cross dresser and cage fighter. Cage fighter. Cage fighter. The cross dressing cage fighter. Welcome out of it. Are you already positioning yourself? Is that going to be your, ladies and gentlemen, the cross dressing cage fighter? The intrepid. Wait, uh, the uh, what rhymes with queen? Queen, mean, machine. I was what rhymes? Cage, ring. I'm trying to find, you know, like the. Uh, trying to find something to, with cage. That rhymes. I'm trying to find a rhyme there. You know, like the queen of the. Mm, the, the queen of the ring. No, nah, but see, that doesn't really work. Oh. Hi, Lisa. Right. Hello, Lisa. Hey, guy. How are you? I'm good. Did you know that Richie Bristol was a crossdresser? I only just now uh, realized the extent. Of his cross, I felt like I, I had thought it was a, a single incident. Uh, well, I mean, it's a single performance uh, so far. He had the, uh, yeah, the, you know, you had the, the what the thing at the in December at North Bank, right? The, you got uh, something that was in the works for first time, was it really? Uh, what, uh, I had thought I had thought there was another like maybe it was just in the lead up lead up to that. Well, I mean, it's the I would think it was that was your first public performance, like the, 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 your first cabaret performance, right? Right. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, wouldn't the wasn't the first time. Like, it wasn't like the first time he decided to ever put on a dress. He also opted to do it in front of a crowd and just sing Making Whoopi. Um, <laughs> so he'd been doing the actual cross-dressing. This was his first cabaret performance. But then, And then when was your first actual cage match? Like, when was the first, like, not, not training, not practicing a hold? Like, when was the first, the first time they put you and another guy in the cage in the ring and they were like, go? I haven't done that yet. I've done sparring, but I went to this. Uh, but you did this. Uh, but you did this submission thing. Yeah, like I this did the submission thing. What was Saturday. the first? Yeah, so that Saturday. was the first. That was the first thing where it was like there was a winner and a loser. Yeah, Saturday. Wow. So there you go. Anyway, well done, Richard. Oh. Still a man of many facets and layers. I like that he says wrestling. Totally. I feel like Amber waves in um, in that documentary about Dirk Diggler and Boogie Nights, where she's <laughs> Dirk Diggler is a man of passion. He is a man of many interests. Karate, art. Well, in any event, hello, Lisa Desjardins. How Hi, are you? guys. How's your How's your week going? It's you know it's good. It's kind of been been really up and down. It's, it's been you know it's one of those weeks that feels like three weeks. It uh, I, it is uh, sort of one of those uh, things where um, uh, where time is sort of slowing down and speeding up all at once. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what this week has been like. It's uh, kind of the, everything is going in metric time. Precisely, or... precisely. And so uh, I guess but, I'm going to ask. Well, but I'm landing, you know, landing well, yeah. So I'm asking you just a couple of things, just the brief notes, because I've I've gotten to this thing. First of all, I don't know if I've made this observation to you. Uh, it's not a complaint. It's just an interesting observation about Anderson Cooper's show. Okay. Uh, have you noticed this this clever this like uh, this, this sort of jazz he does where he at the end of the hour he does what we call a forward promote where he says. When we return, we'll talk about blah, 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 blah. And it's a thing you see a million times. Guy going to a commercial break, and he tells you what, what they're going to do in the future. Try to keep right. you tuned to the break. Have you noticed this thing where at the end of the hour, he will he'll forward promote, he'll tease what's coming up. But then when they return, they just play the show again from the beginning. I did not. Do you not know what I'm talking that, about? Really? No, seriously. Okay, now see, I'm amazed that you didn't pick up on this. The next well, I, time. I, honestly, I, I don't watch his show all that much. It's a, it's a little late. I'm doing other stuff at that point. It's a little late. You know, it's on at like uh, it's on at like two in the afternoon your time or something, isn't it? No, it's it's not until like ten. That is a lie because it's on at like it, here's how I know that's is not it? true because it's on at seven o'clock here. Lisa right, Taylor. Right, seven o'clock here. Oh, but the, okay, so I'm not. But I'm getting the live feed then. I thought I was getting yeah. a rerun. No. Oh well, never mind. Okay, never mind. I stand. Uh, I stand no, corrected. Yeah, right. 
right. All right. Um, so, but just, if you ever do get a chance, check it out, though. It's a nifty little programming trick he does because it's a two-hour show, allegedly. But what he does is he'll come on, he'll do the first show from the top of the hour to about 57, and then at 57 he says, <laughs> coming up ahead on AC360, we'll talk about uh, President Barack Obama who steps into the middle of an economic tempest. That's when AC360 uh, AC returns. But really... That Barack Obama stepping into the midst of an economic tempest, that was the first story of the hour of the show. And when they come Man. back, they just go into the, the same show again. Wow. But they've constructed it like this television Mobius strip. So it's just like this. <laughs> That's perfect. It's just like this endless looping thing. It's pretty, it's pretty good, actually. I mean, I'm sort of impressed that they've, that they've done that because I, I didn't notice it for the longest time. Wow. So anyway, there you go. I mean, well, you know, there, there have been very... Um, Serious or uh, certainly loud conversations um, in CNN and at other broadcasting companies on this whole concept. Uh, you know when a reporter is clearly not talking to the anchor but says John, and then kind of holds there, or mm -hmm. you know Wolf Blitzer will you know do the do the toss, right? Be like Lisa Desjardins is there, Lisa, right? And then well Wolf, you know, and it's just complete, completely fake and. There's a and I for one think it is the mo one of the most ridiculous things that we well, because it's because it's almost always not live right that's the yeah, thing it's, it's usually pre-taped everyone's pretending and and I also think the it's clearly not you know it just it feels hokey and the audience kind of knows that wink wink you know no, nobody really thinks the tr those guys are really having a conversation or or if they do it. It doesn't really matter. Well, and it's I, and look, and I got this sort of thing that you this sort of once it's been parodied on the Daily Show, you got to quit doing it. I mean, yes. that's that's yes. the thing because it, that was how you know, and I can't really do any impressions of Stephen Colbert. But the only thing I can really do that's kind of like him, and it doesn't really work on the radio, is that handoff as you're talking about. Because where you know, back when Stephen Colbert was just a correspondent on the Daily Show, he would be sort of at the White House or whatever, and John Stewart would say, "Our old Stephen Colbert is there with the story, Stephen." And then they would go to Stephen Colbert, and he had this one move he would do, and he would do, he would do the Clinton hand gesture, at, where he puts his thumb against his curled over index finger as though he's holding up a card for you to read in the optometrist's office. <laughs> and then he would look down over his glasses and arch one eyebrow, and he would always start with, John, and then that was it, and then he'd say the story. Yes. And it, but and so once you've burned that out on the Daily Show, it's time to move on. You got to yes, put that. Yes, I agree totally. Yeah, so um, so any, uh, on that note, Lisa. Let me ask you uh, a couple of things about about Barack Obama. Um, so I, as you know, uh, typically uh, believe the worst about everyone, and uh, I sort of subscribe to the notion that uh, everyone and everything is just uh, kind of vile and corrupt and pious. <laughs> all right. So uh, it takes a lot for me to ever sort of go, well, all right then, maybe I've misjudged, and maybe it is too early, and maybe it's a lot of like flim flammery or whatever. But I I made the sort of joke the other day that. Just as I believe the two teams who are going to play in the Super Bowl ought to have to fly directly there after the final playoff game and just play the game immediately. Seriously, they shouldn't get to rest at all. You should go right yeah. from the final playoff game to the Super Bowl. Yep. I, I had this thing that, you know, right as soon as the president finishes the oath of office, like he, he should have to get to the office immediately and solve some problem, you know, within the next three hours or he gets fired. <laughs> like he has to fix something within the next three hours or he loses the gig and it goes to the next guy. You, right. I mean, that's it. Like you, you, like now. Okay, like prove it, baby. You know you got to get it done. So, but it seems like he has sort of done some of these things. So correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Within the the space of like it probably was less than 48 hours, but within the space of just just a, a few hours, Barack Obama issued executive orders: a, suspending trials at Guantan Guantanamo Bay; b, banning the use of torture on terror suspects. 
On anybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on anybody. C, ordering Guantanamo Bay to close within a year. Mm-hmm. D, uh, it's saying that no one who was a lobbyist who works for him could work in an area for which they lobbied. And E, saying that anybody in his administration who quit could not take a lobbying job for two years. Yes. That's pretty impressive. Damn. I mean, that's... Now, before I get all, you know, hopeful and whatnot... Oh, misty. But, I mean, is this... Like, does this stuff actually have the... I know it's an executive order, but does that does that, does that have the ongoing force of law, or at some point does it actually have to get codified? I really, I really want to encourage this kind of um, delight and just sheer happiness or belief or faith that you may be having. Mm-hmm. But, but there are a couple of little asterisks in all of this. Um, Guantanamo, the thing with that is, of course, the executive order demands that the, de- the Department of Defense figure all this out. So it does seem pretty certain that it will close within a year, but we don't know the details yet because everyone's figuring it out still. Uh, so, so a lot of Republicans make a big deal out of that. I don't know that that's such a big deal. I think the lobbying, his, his lobbying requirements are something we really have to watch and see how this works because he has said before, as he was coming into office, he set um, some pretty high lobbying standards, and he said, you cannot work, uh, you, you will not be hired for a top staff-level position if you, if you, you cannot, um, how do I put it, if you are a lobbyist, you cannot come into our administration and work in an area that you used to lobby for. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So if you've been lobbying for, say, a giant defense firm Mm. to get a whole bunch of business at the Pentagon, the idea was you can't get a job at the Pentagon now and help out your old boss. The problem is that one of uh, Barack Obama's deputy defense nominees is in precisely this situation. Because he worked at Raytheon. Yes, he worked right. at Raytheon, exactly. And, and you know, they're saying, well, we're going to grant some waivers so that the business of government can happen. Because in some cases, we think that people are so needed that we think it's worth an exception. However, Robert Gibbs, the president's press secretary, was asked this several times today at his news conference. And he said, well, we're going to have a limited number of waivers. Reporters are asking, well, how much is that? How, what, what kind of a limit exactly? He said, I'm not saying. We're just going to just limit it. Now, I know they're, they're new on the job, and they probably maybe they haven't figured everything out, but, but I do think that that's a pretty big exception. And I almost feel like the Defense Department is the department that you have ethics rules in place for because those guys spend money by the buckets. The defense contractors make so much money, and when you look at some of the top scandals in Washington involving payola or contracts, uh, you know, kind of helping out lawmakers. They help you out. A lot of times it, de- it involves defense contractors. So I, I, think it's a, I think it is a red flag. And I, I think, you know, they may have the best intentions or not, but it, it's something to really watch. Clearly, the executive orders sound good and highly ethical, but if there are going to be a lot of exceptions to them, you have to really look at what they mean on the ground. Well, thank you for curing my optimism. I, I thought so. That. I hated to do it. I no, 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 that's fine. I... I don't wish to be. Uh, I don't wish to be pie-eyed about these things. Right. Or, you know. I mean, it's it's certainly he is setting. I mean, the the, only, the the problem is that he has set this higher standard. Nobody would care in past administrations if someone from Raytheon moved to the Defense Department or to the White House. That, that's happened all the time. But the fact is that Obama has set this higher standard for himself. Um, let's see. There's a couple other things to to ask about. By the way, I'm just. I'm, I don't really want to talk about this subject as such. 
I'm just going to read this uh, where it says uh, this is on the CNN prep sheet. It says, on a different policy front, Obama affirmed his support for a woman's, quote, right to choose, end quote, on the 36th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision that led to the legalization of abortion. Um, and, uh, you know, there's the, the, all the pro and con folks are there. So this is, I guess, the 36th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. I have no, I have no observation or point about Roe v. Wade except to say this. Especially here in Portland, you see a lot of those bumper stickers that say things like, keep your laws off my body. Okay. Um, I just want to start selling a bumper sticker that just says, keep your lawn off my body. Like, just for no reason. Like, just to sort of just to sort of screw things up a little bit. You know what I mean? That would have been great, because the March for Life was yesterday. That would have been great if you had a big, giant sign saying that, and both yeah. sides would have been confused. As just keep your lawn off my body. Who, just, who do you belong to? Who are you? Who, who are you? What? But then they'd be really fervent about it, and just like, and get into a fist fight. <laughs> you know, threaten to punch anybody in the face if they sort of question your stance on it at all. So, uh, let's see. Well, I mean, it sounds like a dumb question, but I mean... I, I know there's like all of this uh, stuff we're supposed to be caring about. I guess Hillary Clinton got uh, it was an overwhelming confirmation, right? Oh, ninety. Uh, what was it? Ninety-four to two. All right. Yeah. So it was no no worries. It was two uh, you know Southern senators uh, that voted against her, but pretty much everybody. Else. So tons of Republicans, tons of Democrats uh, couldn't couldn't be couldn't be happier for her. That's all what right. they all say. And I don't know if you're talking to Steve today, but he's got big news. Big. I can't talk. Big news in the state of New York uh, with. Kirsten Gillibrand being the new uh, senator from New York. And I, and I feel like there may be an age problem, but I've, Renee Zellweger just destined to play this woman. I Here's the thing. It was so hard for me to care about even the Caroline Kennedy thing. Um, <laughs> and now that Caroline Kennedy is quitting for reasons, now the only thing I care about is why did she quit? Because, because then it so seems bizarre. sort of fascinating. Right. But it, it was really just a mess. But I have to tell you, I, now that Carolyn Kennedy's not there and I don't even have that tiny little bit of marquee value, I'm going to go back to not caring at all. Oh. Really, it's, it's, it's now impossible for me to care any less about this. Oh, I, uh, for Kirsten. No, I'm just, uh, really, that's, you know, it, there's no entertainment value left for me. It's, it's become gum in which the flavor has been all chewed away. She is someone to watch, though, this Kirsten Gillibrand. She's almost like a Democratic um, Sarah Palin. She, I don't know what that means. Well, she she's kind of, she you know she she gave birth practically in her congressional office. For one, she's big uh, kind of pro gun advocate, but yet she's very uh, pro choice, very outspoken, very aggressive, young mother. I don't know. She just seems she reminds me a lot of Sarah Palin, only with uh, different political views. I got a great idea. The Republicans or whoever should just skip to the bottom of the page next time, and the next time they run a woman for any kind of office, they should literally just get some woman who has a concealed carry permit and just carries a gun on her at all times, <laughs> and occasionally just sort of throws back like if she's wearing like a like a Hillary Clinton like whatever you call it, like a blazer, like a pantsuit, business right, suit thing. Right. Occasionally, she ought to just sort of pull back the jacket so you can just see the gun in the holster. You're thinking kind of a la Godfather? Kind? Serious. Yeah, 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 so you just sort of see the gun there. Like, doesn't actually take it out and menace you with it. <laughs> but every now and again, I would totally vote for somebody who did that. If they, That's how dumb I am. If they, <laughs> if they ran some woman who just carried a gun on her hip, and every now and again when she was having a contentious policy fight, and she just sort of pulled back her jacket and you saw that she had a pistol... <laughs> I would completely, I'd be like, hell yes, I would vote for her just without, I wouldn't, I don't even care what she supports, I'd vote for her. Just, wow, just for the amusement that, of it. I would, I would not mind seeing that either. How great would that be? And, you know, I, th I bet that would be uh, a powerful negotiation, uh, you know, tool as well. That's right. And now that you actually can carry a handgun in the District of Columbia, for better or worse. That's what I'm saying. You've got the opportunity. There you go. You uh, write down the day that Rick Emerson gave you that idea. All right, all right, I'll write it all down. Right. Uh, anything Gun else you, uh, that That's we should know about before uh, we uh, go here? Say again? Anything else we should know about before we go? I, I really don't think.
think so. You know, and if anyone cares about the whole giant economic stimulus plan, next week could be a very big week. Um, anyone cares about Eric Holder, he'll be up for a vote. Tim Geithner, everyone's favorite, uh, you know, tax melt. We just tell that guy to go to, to, to get his get his crap and go get home. Seriously, He's, he looks like he, he'll be up for a vote Monday. He'll probably become our next Treasury Secretary, which. Is great for everybody that has tax problems, potentially. It's great for everybody that doesn't like Barack Obama, too, because now it gives you a guy you can immediately seize on who shouldn't have the job, uh, in my opinion. I think a lot. I think it really does make a lot Jesus. of people mad. All right. On that note, have a fantastic weekend, Lisa. Hey, you too. Have All right. Talk to you soon. There you go. Uh, Steve Castleman is going to join us in a moment. i, I got to take this, though. This is, uh, wait, hold on. Where's my breaking news sounder? Hold on. Wait. 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 We do have what appears to be breaking news. This is Monty. Hello, Monty. How are you? Hey, Rick. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Now, before we go any further, we should say that uh, this is uh, breaking news coming over the phone right now. We haven't uh, independently confirmed this, uh, but uh, what is uh, what is your report, sir? Uh, well, while uh, driving through the beautiful retirement community of King City, I live in Tigard, I was banking at U.S. Bank, and driving by the Key Bank, I noticed... Uh, a plethora of police officers not only surrounding but hiding behind plants, hiding behind other buildings, communicating to each other. And so I drive through the drive through Now, keep in mind, this key bank was just robbed probably, what, a month, less than a month ago? Mm -hmm. um, as I pull out of the drive through at the U.S. Bank, come around the corner and drive by the key bank again, they just all at the same time swarmed the bank. And I, I'm going back to work, so I didn't stop to keep an eye on what was going on. Plus, if bullets are flying, I don't want to be around. But Seriously. Uh, it seems as though there's a situation going on at, uh, at the key bank in King City. Excellent. Key bank, King City, guns, shrubs, hiding. Excellent. All right. Thank yeah. you for the heads up, my friend. Uh, you bet. All right. Have a good weekend. Best show ever. Thank you. All right. There you go. So this just in. Area man says cops swarming key bank in King City. And more details on that as they unfold. Uh, fantastic. It's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello there. Hey, how are you? I am fantabulous. Thank you for sending me that uh, that Hudson uh, that Hudson River plane uh, ditching footage. Isn't that great? The guy stuff? jumping into the river. What, what was the guy thinking? I mean, I know, I know, he, I, you know, none of us can say what we would think uh, and how we would act in that situation when, uh, if you're on board a plane that survives an emergency landing on water. But, you know, he he was in New York before he boarded the plane, and he realized how cold it was. You know, so so this video is really just mesmerizing. You see the doors fly open and the the inflatable rafts pop out, and then people starting to walk out onto the ring, uh, wings, and one of the passengers literally dives into the icy Hudson River. I, it really is, um, I mean, it really is, is pretty, I, I mean, you, I guess maybe he was thinking, maybe you don't think logically, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> I, maybe you don't think logically, uh, you know, during these moments, but maybe he was thinking the plane was going to, like, blow up or something, which I know doesn't make sense now, but maybe at the time he was thinking, I don't know, there's going to be a fire, i gotta, I got to get out of this thing. He, that must be what it is, but I mean, uh, because, you know, the, the plane was obviously, you know, if you were on board, still intact, and there were no flames and no, no smoke, and uh, the guy's lucky to be alive. I mean, he's lucky there were boats nearby, and, uh, and they were able to start picking people up within three minutes, because uh, ten minutes in water uh, at that temperature, and you start to lose consciousness. Um, and so, I have you, I mean, has anybody been able to sort of track down, like, who is the guy jumping out of the plane into the river? 
I've tried finding that out. So far, I have not uh, been able to track that one down. All right. Uh, give yeah. me just, I'm sorry, if I sounds like I'm distracted, give me just one moment here. Apparently, and this is a, a confidential to uh, streaming in Southeast. Uh, apparently, we are having some issues with the online stream of our program right now. I'm sending something off to He's our uh, webmistress at the moment. So I, if you are listening to us online, and presumably we're not being blocked by a commercial right now, it's doing a weird thing apparently where it's interrupting the live stream with uh, with some uh, some uh, commercials from uh, some of our uh, many paid sponsors. So uh, if you are listening to us and it's getting interrupted, we're aware of that, and uh, we are Rick Emerson regrets the error. We are we're looking into that right now. So I just fired off an email about that. Um, all right, and uh, so forth. Anyway, it, but it's it, but it really is, it's it, it is one of those great things. But as I think I said to you last night in the email that I replied with, that it's also sort of creepy that a couple of days after the fact, you know, because we were like, well, where's the footage of this plane crash, and that we couldn't find any uh, sort of homemade footage, but that we found like two, two or three different security cameras or whatever they caught it. It is kind of a strange reminder that no matter where you go, what you're doing, there's somebody filming you all the time. Absolutely, and you know, in New York, they've started this sort of video net of downtown Manhattan, much like they have around London, where they have video cameras on lampposts and the police are monitoring the uh, street scenes uh, on a daily 24-hour basis. So uh, you really are always on camera. You have to presume you always are on camera anywhere you go. I mean, you go into the elevator in, a, in an office building, even in a, a residential building, and there's a very good chance that, uh, that you're being taped. Uh, you know, everywhere you go, you've got the camera going on, on buses now, uh, many buses have the, uh, the, the little webcam well, going. It's like we're, we're, you know, we're just a few steps away from that dark night thing where then like every cell phone in the, uh, you know, the entire city or something can be used as a camera or whatever. Um, you know, George Orwell was right. Yeah. It, well, you know, I, can I say can I get the greatest thing? There is in fact, if you go to, I believe it is London, if you, even though he is from Wales, if you go to, uh, London, there is in fact... A little uh, place named for Orwell. It's it's George Orwell Square uh, because you know he's you know he's he's a famed writer. He did you know in 1984, but also Animal Farm and a lot of essays about various things. So George Orwell um, has a little square named after him there, and there is in fact a city uh, surveillance camera at George Orwell Square, which is fantastic. Nice. All you need is a big jumbotron and, and with. Uh government spokespeople talking on it all the time. Totally. you be complete. Well, you know what I think about sometimes? I think about that, like, uh, you know, in radio, there's that EAS system, which right. is that, you know, the emergency alert. And for people who don't know, the EAS thing is that, like, this is a test of the emergency alert system. And then they play the weird, like, yeah. and then they, whatever. Uh, you know that there is, I don't know if it's a big red button, but there is a mechanism by which the president of the United States, the, the the executive branch of the United States, there is like some switch, literally some switch they can flip somewhere that will instantly take control of the signal of every terrestrial radio station in the country. And right. then like Barack Obama literally can speak into a microphone and broadcast over every single radio station in the entire United States at once just by like, crazy, like yeah. pressing, a, pressing a panel. Yeah, which is great. New thing. Um, Speaking of politicians, yes. I have to run because I have to get on the network in a second. Yes, but uh, but you know, just a little while ago, the the governor of New York introduced the the new senator taking Hillary Clinton's seat, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's just a bizarre thing that's really splitting the Democratic Party here in New York because she's a virtual unknown and she's kind of a conservative Democrat, and New Yorkers are known for being liberal. But uh, I just want to play you one cut. Here's something, in my opinion, you don't want to hear one of your highest uh, elected officials uh, representing people of the state saying. I realize that for many New Yorkers, this is the first time you've heard my name, and you don't know much about me. That's not good. 
really right? yeah that's that's not leading with your uh, leading with your best foot i would say yeah well you're you know your job remains interesting day in and day out steve yeah thank uh, you know, today has been great i mean today has been filled with one of the juiciest political stories here in new york in a long time and it's just so inside baseball that if you're not a political wonk, you know, then, then you really don't care. But for those who do care, this is just heaven today. You know, another day we'll have to talk about the word wonk. In the meantime, uh, have a satisfying weekend. We will talk to you next week, sir. Thank you very much. Nice. So long. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent. Hello, Sarah Dunn. Excellent. Hello. How are you? Good. Did you see, So did you look uh, at my blog yet and see the pictures of the plane being, like, sequentially? Oh, no. Being... Let me do that right now while we take this call. It is Hello? the coolest thing. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up? Hey, I had a really good name for Richie, at least I think it is. Okay, Richie, who is a crossdresser, and as we've now discovered, uh, what's, going on with your, what's going on with your phone there? Oh, man, hold on a second. All right. Almost there, better? There. Okay, yeah. So Richie, so Richie is a crossdresser, and we've all found, also found out that he is now a, we're not making this up, he is, in fact, a mixed martial artist cage fighter. Well, I, I can't believe you didn't come up with this because you actually inspired me on this one. The lean, mean drag queen. The lean, mean <laughs> drag queen. All right, excellent. Lean, mean drag queen. All right, all right. Uh, and I, I do have one question on one of your fabulous sponsors. Yes, sir. Is the pronunciation of the viso uh, vigor? I thought it was vig or vigor. Uh, no, it's uh, no, it is vigor, as in um, lemon vigor. Like like rhymes with bigger. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, excellent. All right, have a good all weekend, cool. sir. You too. Thank, Thank you. you. There you go. Oh, my God, that's creepy. Why are you showing this to me? It is so cool. That is, that is. How, so it starts out with the, just like, you know, a crane, plain water. Then they sink, you know, the things in. Then you just see them pulling out the tail of the plane and the top of oh, it. Oh, is there more than one picture? No, no, scroll down. Oh, see, I'm only seeing the... No, no, go to the go to the link. Oh, okay. I, no, just, I just saw know. the one. Okay, I didn't, click on the, I didn't click on the link. This is, by the way, at sarahxdillon.com. These are photos... Of that plane being taken out of the Hudson River. And if you know us, you know that we got a whole thing about uh, stuff in the water that shouldn't be there. Okay, so yeah, so slowly just scroll down. All right, hold on, let's see. All right, so uh, waiting for this to load. And oh, this is already creeping me out. Just looking at the, just the, just the juxtaposition of an airplane being underwater is not right mm -hmm. to begin with. Oh, this is so creepy. Why am I looking at this? Oh, it's so cool and creepy. Oh, I don't care for you at all. Um... Oh, oh, this is not right. Oh man, it's really weird looking. And it's and they, so they've got this putting this sling underneath the plane basically, which is sunk presumably to the bottom of. Is it in the bottom? We must it, have been in the bottom. It has to be on the bottom. Yeah, I mean, and plus it's totally full of water because look, the doors are broken off on the sides. Yeesh. Uh, and you can see there's like ice flows and whatever. That is completely creepy. All right, thanks. Thanks for giving me nightmares. No uh, problem. I know just that just with the tail poking out of the water, that is nightmare inducing. Yeah. Uh, you can go to uh, sarahxdillon.com, by the way, if you want to uh, if you want to see those. Jesus, that's not right. All right, it's 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. I do believe uh, our good friend Darcy Zettler is uh, here, sort of uh, uh, lurking around. Let's see here. Um, I was going to pick up that line, but now it's being it's being handled. Let me try this. Ah, there we go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hello there. You're speaking to me? Yes, I'm speaking to you. How are you today, sir? Oh, hey, Rick. This is Alan, uh, former AE at CBS Radio. How are you doing, my friend? I'm excellent. I was actually just calling for Richie. I heard you say he was an MMA fighter. Yes. 
Does he, does he actually compete in, like, uh, you know, like Rumble at the Roseland or any of that kind of stuff? Well, I know that's the eventual goal. I know that he has been um, he's been training, and then last week he did some, like, tap-out thing uh, where, you know, he was like a, I don't know, like a trial okay. match or whatever, which he, which he won. I guess he made two guys submit or whatever, and then he really won. So I guess he's going to continue. I mean, we're going to talk to him later and kind of find out the whole... Kind of the whole sequence of events, but yeah, apparently he's uh, apparently he's doing very well. So the goal, of course, is to be an actual cage fighter. Yes. What he should do, since he's a drag queen and a cage fighter, just you know, intimidate his opponents is come in the dress or the skirt. Totally come in in like a big pink, uh, like like sort of a big pink sarong kind of an outfit, and just sort like, of kind maybe, of like Jesse Ventura style, you know. I was gonna go gorgeous mm. George, but yeah, Jesse Ventura, take that as well. Maybe spritz himself with a little cologne perfume before oh. he comes in. And then get a little grumpy, you know, down below a little bit. Maybe. Down the butt or something. No, see, I think there you've, you've gone too far. That's sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, All right. Well, thank sorry. you very much. Nice talking to you, Rick. Thank you. All right. There you go. It's uh fi- oh by the way I saw that I see that you put the uh, the uh, <laughs> I see you put up the thing about uh, Portland Oregon where you you only have to be 18 to have Sam Adams. I know because I, I named that post not about Sam Adams and then all of a sudden it all became yeah. about <laughs> Sam Adams. I guess maybe I'm telling the joke wrong. How's the joke go? Where you only have, so to, where you you only have, have to be 18 to enjoy? It says Portland Oregon where you only have to be 18 to enjoy Sam Adams. There you go. So yesterday we Wednesday yesterday too soon today not too soon. Oh, uh, hilarious. It's 503. You know, clever, clever is clever. You know, and Sarah, look, as the late, great Sam Kinison uh, once said, one must either laugh or cry, and you just can't cry. So it's 503-733-2970. When we come back, we'll talk to Darcy Zettler coming up later on. Aaron Duran uh, from geekinthecity.com. We'll talk about CBS Radio Theater, which returns to the airwaves this Sunday. 6 p.m. live radio drama featuring the adventures of the Crimson Mist set in wartime Portland, Oregon, 1943, and AZ set in modern-day Portland after the zombie apocalypse. Live radio drama this Sunday, 6 p.m. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. It was kind of great, actually. So yesterday in the Oregonian, and I, and I haven't really had a chance to read it because Dave Zinn had it, but so Peter Carlin, who is, uh, you know, he's kind of expanded his role. He's more of a features writer now. He wrote this huge piece about Facebook, and they did, it was kind of a clever thing, actually, where the entire article was laid out like a Facebook page. Okay, that's genius. Yeah, it was it was actually really good. So I do I do want to read it at some point. But, of course, it had a typical... The thing is, Peter Carlin is still Peter Carlin, you know, which is why we love him, because he can't... It's like he just can't cover up... He just can't cover up the blackness and snarkness the you know, that, that lurks within. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like he just, he just can't pretend not to hate everything. I mean, he can sort of try to pose, uh, but it just always bleeds through. And so the, even, the, you know, the headline was something very much like... You know, like Facebook, professional networking tool or colossal waste of time ruining a generation or, you know, something like that. I mean, we just, we just it is because people are forming these friendships that they don't even really speak to each other. Like I have people ask me to be their friend on Facebook from like high school who see. didn't speak to me. And I'm like, why? Why do you want to be a friend just so you can see my pictures and what I look like now? But now do you just take do you, do you just take a little savage satisfaction denying them? Um, I'll approve them for a little while just so I can see their pictures. And then, and then, and then I get bored with it and then I'm like, okay, never mind. You just use them and throw them away. Exactly. All right, like a, like a, like a dried out piece of something or other. So here's the, my thing about Facebook, though, is that, um, as you know, I don't have a – in fact, we have – like there is a Rick Emerson Facebook page that uh, that our good friend Thomas the Tech Guy runs. 
which I think he just digs it. I, I think his theory was he didn't want anybody else to just sort of grab it. And Like that guy that guy in Fairbanks, Alaska, that's a real estate agent named Rick Emerson, uh, that, that, you know, is, is like about every six months I'll get an email going like, so uh, you want to sell me that website? And I was like, well, no. But uh, but I think Thomas's whole thing was he didn't want anybody else to use it, so he creates the, uh, the Rick Emerson Facebook page. And I think he just mirrors the MySpace content uh, that I do on there. So, so thank you for that. Um, anyway, it, but I had this whole thing for the longest time of trying to contact people. In fact, like Darcy Zettler, for example, uh, with whom we will speak in a moment. I was trying to find some folks who I knew had been laid off. And a lot of people don't want to post their, you know, their email addresses online because they get harvested by spammers and blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people don't have... MySpace profiles either because it's they're loud and they're clunky and everything seems to like, you know, everything seems to be sort of bejeweled and glittery and bouncing up and down and screaming, hello, do you want a free cell phone? And it's like it just becomes too much. So people have Facebook pages, which, of course, if you are not a registered Facebook, you like at least with MySpace, the thing is you can actually look at a page without having to be a member. You have to have a Facebook account to even really look at anybody or to contact them. And so I wanted to join Facebook just for that purpose, so I could sort of send people messages saying, like, hey, I hear you're unemployed. Come hang out with us. So I put in, you know, and whatever, you sign up with your email address or whatever it is. So I, this and this is like my very first exposure to Facebook, which I had successfully resisted. I go there, and it says, log in, you know, what email address do you wish to use? And I type in my email address, and I hit join. And immediately, the screen just fills with, like, a whole bunch of people who apparently just been waiting for me the whole time. It's like, you have... We've been waiting for you, right? Seriously, how creepy is that? It's like, you have a bunch of invitations waiting for the following 80 people. And I was like, F that. <laughs> Delete. Why is that creepy? People like you. That's me. canceled my account immediately. I immediately... I found the deactivate button, and I just... I'm like, thank you, no. It's not that... And it's not that I'm opposed to having any sort of contact with people. It's just like, it became immediately clear... And it's not like I'm the most popular guy on earth. It's just that I have resisted doing it, so they've all stacked up. It's kind of a cult. Well, but I mean... People are obsessed with it, and they're constantly... It's like that Twitter thing, like, every five minutes, someone's like, I'm eating a pizza. Totally. Oh, thinking about somebody somewhere. I'm like, oh, stop it. And I think most people probably don't deal with it. Not Again, not, not that it's like, I'm, like everybody wants to be I'm my pal. I'm going Darcy now so she can come. Hello, Darcy. Well, right? hello, yes. Now, were you saying you came on just to find me on Facebook? That was your first Well, time? that would be creepy. That, no, would, um, that would be creepy, but make me feel kind of good. Yes, it was, just, it was just to see you. No. Well, I don't. It was strangely enough to find Stacy Wilson. That's actually really that's the actual true response. Your BFF. It it really was just so I could contact Stacy Wilson because she didn't have any other contact info. But, but yeah, so it's it's, it's not like I'm like Mr. You know, Mr. Popular. But everybody else goes to Facebook and then you know you'll see a couple a day or you know a few every day that people want to you know want to meet you or they want to like you know hook up whatever it is they want to like be catch up with you or be your pal or whatever it is on Facebook. But I haven't done it, so they'd all just been stacking up this whole time. Oh, and as soon as I logged in, it was like the following people have got requests in the queue. And it became so clear to me that it was just going to become another thing I had to spend time maintaining. You know what I mean? Exactly. I don't have one either. I've resisted. In your face. I don't, really, I don't update mine. I just, um, I just am on there just to see what other people are doing or like... Um well, I guess I've, I've joined more groups, like when they made, like, you know, Sam Adams groups, or mm-hmm. um, I joined a group that said, um, all my friends are getting married, I'm just getting drunk. 
So there are like funny groups on there. Right. You can be like, okay, well, I'm you know, proud of your that's, parents, that's must the reason. Be. That's the reason to get on there. So I, it's like, you know, and again, I'm not trying to complain. It's like there's where you know, this is a quintessentially American complaint. I mean, this is a thing that this is a thing that other nations would really love to have as a problem. But I mean, every day, I mean, I've got the RickEmerson.com. There's the stuff on the station website. There's a show MySpace. There's all that stuff with Tim. I, I neglected my website for a month. I mean, it's it's hard to maintain all that. Totally. Stuff. And I've you know, I've got my own personal MySpace account, and it's like to add a Facebook account onto it, which I would also feel compelled to keep refre- you know, fresh and constant and updated. You know, it, it, I, re- I already have all this like Catholic guilt that I don't get my email answered because uh, I was doing really well for a while. I was doing really, really well at getting my email sort of knocked out. Every day I'd come in and I would set aside about an hour and I would just respond to all my Rick at RickEmerson.com email and I've fallen and it really did. It really did start with the Tim thing, uh, you know, that, that Black Monday when, mm-hmm. when everybody got fired. Uh, where I was I just, just it because I used to, like, update our, our MySpace page for the show and everything yeah. and, like, do my website and stuff. And then when Tim left, you know, my entire hour before the show is just spent pulling news and, you know, doing other stuff. Right. And, I, you know, and it just became such a, you know, such a, just a weird stress cauldron for a while that I was just like, I just don't have it in me. I, I'm just going to sit here and stare at the blackness, you know. Like, I, that was my whole thing. I just, I'm just going to shut the door and gaze into the middle distance. Um <laughs> Anyway, so there you go. So if I, if you look for me on Facebook, it, there is a page, but it's it's not technically me. But go ahead and act as though it were. It is a. It's, I'm just saying, like it's act as if it's me. I'm just pretend that it's me. Um, that is creepy sounding. Anyway, hello, Darcy Zeller. Hello. All right, thank you hello. for coming in today. Yes, thanks for having me again. Not at all. Um, so I felt bad. You were here Wednesday. Yes. And I think Wednesday, largely because we just got to uh, just got to John, as they say in the South, and also because of the Sam Adams thing, it's just we just got to so little news. And yesterday, of course, was even better and or worse, depending on how much you really want to hear about Sam Adams. So today, um, you know, we'll, here's here's the way we're going to proceed, and then we'll kick off the news in like ten seconds. The way that we're going to go forward here is that if people, uh, if you want to call, you got thoughts, you got observations. If you if you you know you want to call in and, and, and weigh in on everything that's going on with our uh, our mayor, mayor at the moment anyway, uh, you can certainly do that. What we're really not going to do is we're not going to spend a lot of time because there's, there's no new news, right? I mean, unless I'm wrong. So I you mean, want me to put away the ten stories that I pulled on Sam Adams? Probably <laughs> put those in a uh, not just a B pile. Put those in the in got the it. Q pile. Got it. Um, because and I will just ask. Point blank here before we before we move on, because there is nothing new to report at the moment. Am I right about that? No, I just checked the Oregonian website, and it's he's waiting to decide. Yeah, I mean it's a whole lot of like. I just saw something. Is he having a press conference today? I don't believe so. No, I did. Yeah, you know where I saw that? I just saw that on a Facebook update. Someone said I'm waiting for um, Sam Adams' press conference. I don't see. I don't think they're doing a press conference. That was the press conference. That was was yes. It wasn't even yesterday. It was Tuesday. Oh, man. This whole week. It was inauguration day. What day is it? Because he had to fly back from the inauguration. Right. Um, That was news broken by Darcy Zettler right here. So Mm -hmm. uh, he had to fly back from the inauguration. So that was that. And I think that they're doing some, I think they're doing some rally or something for him today, which is a bad idea, by the way. I mean, a little confidential from me to Sam Adams supporters. Rally equals ill-advised. Really, if you are, and I know that it's a contentious and polarizing issue, um, it, it, it really, if you, if, if you are all bent on Sam Adams keeping his job, uh, you ought to not have a rally. You ought to let him just go back to work and just uh, keep, you know, just leave it alone. Really, right now, the status quo is your friend. So if you really are, if you're all about Sam Adams keeping his job, uh, you ought to be not having a rally. That's just, uh, that's just my, whether Dan Savage is going to be there or not. It just seems like it's a bad idea. There is uh, something to be said for not drawing further attention, you know? Anyway. 
All right. On that note, we're not going to discuss it. You call about it, we'll talk. But we're not going to we're not going to roll out any sand. Please don't call about it. Seriously, (laughs) call about something else for the love of Jesus. We have so many fabulous, amazing stories that we haven't gotten to all week. Love of Jesus. We've been obsessed with Jehovah. Please call about anything but that. Let us now begin this the news hour with Darcy Zettler. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Hello there. Now, speaking of Facebook, I I don't have an account, right? I think it's a good idea, and here is why. Wife murdered for Facebook status. A man murdered his estranged wife after becoming enraged when she changed her marital status on Facebook to single. Edward Richardson, 41 of Maryland Road, was found guilty of stabbing Sarah Richardson to death. He killed the 26-year-old hairdresser at her parents' home in Brownlee's Stratshire something on May 12, 2008. He tried to kill himself after the attack and was sentenced to life with minimum 17 years in prison. Edward is covered in blood. And crazy. Allie and the Oop. That was, uh, that was amazing. Well done. Well played. That was a little Thank pick you. and roll, stuck Thank in a balloon style. All right. Well, again, why, that, no no need for that. No need for that. I mean, they it does seem like up. a bit of a... does seem like a bit... Oh, wait, they were already... Were they, they broken were up? They were broken up. Oh, see, so I thought the story was... See, I thought it was almost like... Not like it's okay to be stabbing and whatnot, but I thought that they were still married... But that she was already, like, they were not divorced, but she was already moving right to, I'm single, basically. Well, you know what the weird thing is about Facebook, too, is you can comment on people's statuses. Really? When they change it, because, um, like, for example, like, this couple I know broke up, and it says, you know, so-and-so is no longer listed as in a relationship. And then you go ahead and put comments, and people will be like, oh, I'm so sorry. What happened? It's like... Oh, yes. no, wait, nothing is that sent to you as an update? Like it's, you get an, an update? update. Oh, see, this is goodness. why, this see, is do you see what I mean about it and why it's so much work? Yes. Because you are constantly notified when anybody is commenting or updating on anything, which you then, if you're sort of an obsessive compulsive type, which I know Sarah and I both are, mm-hmm. you sort of feel compelled to either respond to it or at the very least, you feel compelled to go check it right away and see what it was. So, which is why the first thing I did in MySpace is to turn off the email notifications. Right. You know what? I'll check it all later at the end of the day. I'm not going to check it every single time. So somebody has posted a brand new comment. Somebody has tagged one new photo. <laughs> because otherwise, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to stop. Especially because they made this. I have the BlackBerry. And they made this MySpace application for the BlackBerry. I have a Facebook application on mine. Yeah, but, you don't have a, but you don't have a Facebook account. I don't account. want it there. Oh, it was just there without you <laughs> yes, even asking it for it. it was there. It just came with the phone. Now, see, I actively downloaded the MySpace application, my BlackBerry, because I'm a retard. And I remember it was sitting there in, uh, where was it, my dentist, just sitting there killing time. And BlackBerry pushed this little message to my screen, this announcement. They said, hey, by the way, we offer a MySpace application. Would you like to download it? Yes. And I immediately downloaded it. So now, no, no matter where I am, I mean, I could be at the North Pole, and I can obsessively, uh, you know, I can obsessively check my picture tags to see where they are. So that was no. your own fault. Thank really. you, no. I wish I'd. I'm gonna go on and install that today. All right, here's Darcy Zeller. All right, two Portland directors nominated for Oscars. I think we all know about Gus Van Zant, nominated for director of Milk. Pretty excited about that. But the lesser known of the two is Irene Taylor Brodsky. She was wide awake when the phone rang yesterday at 5.30 a.m. She was rocking her four-week-old baby to sleep when she realized the Oscar nominees were about to be revealed. Taylor Brodsky was nominated for her documentary, The Final Inch, a 38-minute film dealing with the resurrection of polio in the poorest parts of the world. It hasn't played in theaters, but eventually it will be on HBO. And it's completely the type of film that would be made by a Portland filmmaker, by the way. <laughs> completely. Uh, it's a, I mean, everything about that screams Portland filmmaker. As she's nursing her baby that's like probably in like a hemp sling. <laughs> 
Yes. Perfect mental e- image. Ex- exactly. All right. All right. Well, I haven't seen Milk, but I'm definitely going to see that one. I haven't uh, either. I've been scared too. It ends badly. It was, it was so it's, good. Yeah. There's a. Uh, it's yeah. not a kill in the yeah, There's no. Yeah. Yeah. There's. It's a, yeah. That's a, it's a it's a big series of downs. I think punctuated with false hope, uh, yeah. you know, throughout the middle. So, have you seen the documentary? No. Uh, there's a documentary, uh, which is, I, and I have not seen uh, Milk either, but there's a documentary called, uh, on which this is based called The Times of Harvey Milk, which came out, God, I don't know, in the mid-80s, I think. Uh, but I saw it when it, uh, it, played at, it played at the Clinton Street Theater about three years ago. Okay. And, boy, just a, just a big ball punch. I mean, just a, just seriously, you watch it and it's just like, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's powerful, but it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get me to like turn on the waterworks. It really does. I mean, it pretty much takes, it pretty much takes either, uh, you know, like a cowboy having to say tearful goodbye to a horse or the iron giant. Other than that, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty just sort of, it takes a lot for a movie to really affect me that way. And this is a documentary, so it's like, it's a little different, but you're watching it and at the at the end of it, you know, it, and it's not a big secret the story of, of you know of Harvey Milk who was who was assassinated and and at the end of it, it's that thing where the, the movie ends and the lights go up, and it's what I call um, that Schindler's List silence, where the lights go up and you kind of stand up and you sort of shuffle out to the lobby quietly, looking at the ground, hating all humanity, having Blame lost <laughs> seriously having lost faith in everyone on earth, and then all those plans you'd made with your friends before the movie started. Like, hey, let's see the movie and then go to uh, Denny's. Maybe get some fries, you know? And then it's like, you know, this, this Schindler's List ends, and you look at each other and you're like, I'm not going to go to Denny's or anywhere ever again. I'm going to go home and weep. So it was like how you told like, me to see Requiem for a Dream on a strong day. Totally, exactly. I couldn't do anything. And I, I started the day with that, too. I didn't end the day. I started the day, and I'm like bawling you know at the end. You don't want to do that. It's so the, the wrestlers the no. same way, by the way. I made Lara, I, I, I made her promise me like three times that she was in a good mood before we saw the wrestler. Because I'm like, you, I'm like, baby, if you're in a bad mood. Anything's gone wrong, fight with your mom. Anything, I, I'm not. We'll, we'll wait. We'll go see. Uh, you know, we'll go watch uh, My Bloody Valentine instead. Ooh, I can't wait for that one. Actually. My Bloody Valentine. I seen that. I tried to see it last weekend, and I just something came up, and I ran out of time. So I'm gonna try to see it this weekend. I think my boyfriend and I are gonna go on Valentine's Day. We're gonna do a dark Valentine's Day. Good I'm gonna for go you. see the Murder City Devils on Valentine's Ooh. Day. I'm oh, a like sucker murder for uh, blood. And you know what? But bad 3D movies. Uh, you know, are really just that's kind of a weak spot for me. So I'm I'll see anything like that. Actually, so that comes out on Valentine's Day. No, it's already it's out. Already it was out. A, it came out last Friday, and I tried to see it last weekend. And I, just, and I just ran. Where is it playing? It? I think it's a wide release film. Right. I think it's because it's you know it's crap. So I think it's kind of playing everywhere. I think it's one of those. Well, you it's got to be places that can have capability, right? But I think, but see, but I. Or is, see, it, or is it just glasses and you go? But now, Maybe see, yeah, now we're venturing into territory. I understand. I think <laughs> that it's, I think that it's that new kind of 3D. I was corrected about this by our friend Siegfried, who knows everything about everything. I think it's that new 3D that actually just has the regular polarized lenses, so it's not like the red and blue, but it's just like they can put it on any screen. But I think it's like just a regal cinema set. It's not like you, so you wear like the little 3D glasses. Yeah, but apparently it's Siegfried. And and Siegfried, who is he knows more about movies than anyone I have ever met in my life. He is the master of all movie knowledge. He says that it's the best 3D he's ever seen, um, and he says it surpasses Ghosts of the Abyss, which was that Cameron 3D thing, which was actually pretty good. He says this is the best 3D experience he has ever witnessed uh, at, at a movie theater. So anyway, oh, and just one final note here about movies and 3D and Siegfried. So our friend Siegfried, and this is really extra funny if you know him. But sent us uh, an email, I don't know, about two months ago. And, he, and the email he sent us during the show, and it said, 
By the way, I'm playing a board game with Dakota Fanning right now, next door, just so you know. Which is sort of evil sounding. But then I realized it's because he was in a recording studio, which is in the building right next to us, because Dakota Fanning was doing a voice track for Coraline, because oh. she is in the movie Coraline. So that, I put it all together in my head. That's what it was for. So anyway, all right. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, Darcy Zettler. I, I like this story because I would like some more information. So this is actually more to see what you guys know. Climber dies on Mount Hood. Government camp, a climber has died on Mount Hood after she was hit by large chunks of falling ice. She fell 400 feet down the mountain. Really, that's all I'm going to read. How many people climb Mount Hood? There just seems to be so many people that get injured or die or ha- things happen up there. Just don't climb Wasn't up that, there anymore. Was it last winter when all those people were uh-huh. up uh, there? Guys? Yeah. Was, it, was, was that just last winter? I mean, not this winter we just finished, but I mean the winter, I guess, of 07, early 08. When the, yeah, it was the four guys. So. I believe so, because didn't they find him then this summer when everything thawed? Did they? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm just a, oh, that's creepy. Yeah. That's fantastic. Like go body hunting in the summer? Seriously. Why don't we go for the spring thaw and look for corpses? Seriously, you're just like going for a hike and then it's like panning. somebody fell off the side of the mountain. Like panning for gold, for but with, uh, yeah, with intestines. Yeah, horrible. I, I would just like to have people stop climbing up there. Were those I'm the guys that fell into the crevasse? Those four guys? The crevasse. You know what? Because that's what they were calling it, right? Mm-hmm. We all got a crash course in pronunciation because it's not a ravine for some reason. It's a crevasse. When it's made of snow. Yeah. And those were the four guys, like two of them fell in, whatever. But I really, look, I don't mean the sound. But went, and this woman uh, died? Yes, she died. So she fell off. So she was hit by ice and then fell 400 feet? Did this just happen? Her hu- Yes, it says 121. Clackamas County Sheriff identified her as 31-year-old Brooke Colvin in Portland. The accident occurred Wednesday morning at about 10,000 feet. Said her husband, Thad Stan, saw her, excuse me, saw her hit by fallen ice and thrown down the mountain. Oh. Said the woman died instantly. Rescuers, rescuers were trying to recover her body, and I'm, it doesn't say if I they think, have or so they not. Say that, so, I think the bodies, first of all, ought to be left there as a warning to the others. Well, honestly, that sounds kind of like a falsehood, because like they say, she, she died instantly, but if they can't find the body, no. how would so, they know that? I don't mean to sound unsympathetic, but let me, oh, God. no, 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 I'm just about to, sp- these are scientific facts. I don't wish to sound unsympathetic. It is, in fact, a 10,000-foot-high pile of ice. You wouldn't be I'm doing not it. on that thing. It, you know, that's nature's way of saying, stay home and read a book. All right? Exactly. Really, you know, Watch Dexter online. You got cable. Movie theater down the street. Go have a taco, maybe. No, no, no. I'm going to go uh, climb a big ice thing. And let's also say this. The reason that people climb mountain and, and, and we look at I. I have many friends that are mountain climbers. In fact, Lacey uh, Turner, who works upstairs. One of your best friends in mountain climber? You know, she climbs Mount Hood. Uh, she does Lacey it. Lacey does? She Why? does. Uh, because she's crazy. Uh, and I mean really like full on. Like, like she's scary. Yeah, I mean she's in, great. In an amazing way. Like, and I, she's a, I like, really I'm glad do she's love on her. our side. She, I love Lacey. She really is great. But unbelievably profane and also, you know, crazy. So, she's like this petite, um, she's this petite lady who puts together all of our PSAs. Okay. She's she, very natural looking and like... She's like three feet high, and she weighs about 40 pounds, and she climbs Mount Hood. I mean, it's amazing. It really is Mount staggering. Mount like a sailor on her, too. Yes, seriously. And every, <laughs> I like her already, except the mountain climbing part. And every time anything starts to go weird at CBS, anytime there's like a dark cloud, anytime it seems like there's something bad on the horizon at CBS, she can be heard shouting at the top of her lungs, F this place! I'm just going to move to Nepal! And like, you totally know that she would. Like, it's not an idle threat. Anyway... So so she does that, and, you know, while my wife doesn't climb Mount Hood, my wife does, she does, like, weird snow climbing stuff in the winter. And, you know, I've told her, I'm like, look, baby, uh, you know, I love you. Uh, you, you. If you get off the path 
and you start doing something dangerous and you die, I will have to ridicule your death. There's just no getting around. I'm going to have to make fun. And I tell her that every time because what no one ever really wants to say, and again, I don't wish to sound as though I'm being disrespectful, the sole reason you're doing it is because it's dangerous, right? right? Otherwise, you just say, hey, you know, instead of walking uh, 5,000 feet straight up, I'm going to walk 5,000 feet down the street to the plaid and get a beer and, and then walk 5,000 feet home on dry level ground. You're doing it because it's a challenge. But when people say, well, you know, it's really a challenge to climb Mount Hood, that's code. That is code for it just might kill you. Exactly. So, you know, do it or don't do it. But people, you know that one out of four people who climb Mount Everest die? Well, that was what I was wondering about Mount Hood. Do we have any numbers on that? I don't know. That's a good question. 25% of the people who try to climb Mount Everest die. A one in four death rate. So that does not sound like an activity I will ever get. No, no, it no, it it really is. um, It is a way that, you know, like and people like rock climb and stuff that I would not want to take my life into my own hands. Like That's insane when people are like climbing on the sides of cliffs, you know, sticking their feet in little tiny like gaps in the rock. I'm aware of my coordination. It does not extend skills at all. Have you read Into Thin Air by Jonathan Krakauer? No, no. It is. It's amazing. He's together run under the banner of heaven and into the wild. Yes, he wrote. Yes. He wrote the story about a Mount Everest disaster because he was actually there. He uh, he was part of the 1996 Mount Everest uh, this, this implosion where just all these people died. And he writes this book and he is he not only did he climb Mount Everest he for the longest time I don't think he is anymore but he he wrote for Outdoor Life magazine he was in fact the like his whole deal was he wrote about mountain climbing he was a mountain climbing writer that was essentially all he wrote about. And there's this great documentary about the uh, about the Everest disaster in '96 where they interview Krakauer, and he's just like, it's like, but he's like, if you ever decide you want to climb Mount Everest, he's like, come talk to me. It's like, come come talk to me, listen to me describe what happened, and then you tell me, you know, if you still want to climb Mount Everest. And you read that book, you don't even want to leave the house ever again. So there was this some guy, and I think it was one of these guys from a few years ago, one of these four guys was just talking about it, you know, communing with nature, and, was, and I think he was he had some religious thing tied to, well, you know, it's a way to. Uh, it's a really way to be, you know, it's a way to be closer to Jesus. And by closer to Jesus, I think we really mean you're going to end up being, you know, closer to Jesus. Uh, let's uh, do this. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Hey, you know, one of the reasons that lady died up there is because you, you, we have that inversion going on right now where above, I don't know, is it about 10,000 feet or something like that? It's actually warmer than it is down here. So please, please to explain, and I, maybe you just did, but wh- it, when you say an inversion, that, so that means what exactly? The air above is warmer than the air down below. So, the, so wait, but if it's, dumb question, so if it's like really, if it's 30 degrees down here, it's going to be like 50 up on Mount Hood? Now the summit of Mount Hood is at 47 degrees, so the glacier is melting. Oh, I see. Okay, so then the, that's why the ice is coming down. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've climbed Mount Hood like, what, four or five times now? Right. So it's a, it's a really easy climb. And there's about 1,200, 1,500 people that climb it every year. I mean, don't they have, you know, what are those things called? Uh, weather channels and stuff now that tell you when that's going to be going on? Oh, yeah. When you go up to Timberline Lodge before you ride uh, the Palmer chair up, to, you know, so you don't have to climb, you only have to climb half of it now because of the Palmer. Um, they tell you right there what the weather condition is on top. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I got an email from somebody here. Somebody said um, uh, you should let people do what they want. Um, uh, you know, you, you, do you want a nanny state telling people where they can and cannot hike? How can you be for smoking at bars and against being able to hike mountains? I'm not against your right to go do it. I'm just saying, let's not all act surprised when it kills you, huh? Let's. No, I mean, well, it's yeah, like smoke. It's... You know, you smoke all you want. Don't come to me when you got like a black lung or something. That's your own problem. That's true. And, you know, when you're up there on the mountain and you're up on the glacier heading toward the summit, 
it uh, you can't see anything. It's just all white. So all of a sudden, you know, you're roped together, but you're about uh, between 20 to 50 feet apart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guy in front of you just kind of, like, disappears like those four guys did. Yeah. Because the snow under there is a crevice underneath of him. And you were walking on the thin snow on top, and all of a sudden, oh, wait, he's gone. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I... And, go ahead. Since you're hooked to him, you have to instantly get your crampon set and get your ice axes in the snow, or you're going into. Ah, that's just a... And what is that thing called? It's called... What is that uh, mountaineering maneuver? It's like a belay? Belay? A belay? A belay. A, a belay. But it's a, a thing... Mm-hmm. A belay is when you're rock climbing, which I also do, is, is when you're... You're actually physically holding him up with the rope. See, and that just freaks me out. Just the whole idea freaks me out. That's what we had to do at leadership camp, I remember. Leadership camp. Especially like when somebody's rappelling and they've never done it before. Mm. You know, you you attach a rope to their rope so they can only go so fast, and you lower them gradually. Uh, The whole thing just weirds me out. All right, thank you, sir. Hey, you bet. Uh, There you go. Uh, all right, so we'll take a break here. Let me just, uh, this final note, this, uh, the final word on Mount Hood here. This guy says, Rick, hey, they never found the two guys that fell into their crevasse. They found the guy that was with them who got injured uh, and froze in a snow cave and, oh. the, uh, and the dog. I forgot there was a dog. He said, uh, don't forget, these are the guys who refused a tracking device, which was available to anybody going up. If you don't take a tracker, in my opinion, I guess you just get to stay there until we find you. All right. Uh, so they're well, still up there. Yeah, but they're never going to get those guys. Well, you know, I mean, it was my, my... Does, does Mount... okay, this is a dumb question. I understand that. There are no dumb questions. Does all this, is Mount Hood ever bare? That's dumb. It's not dumb. Okay, um, I'm up. just screwing with you. I don't you know. know. Okay, I think so you don't know. Questions asked. I think there's, I'm just screwing with you. I don't know either. I just want to, I could, I'm saying, like, amazed you didn't see that coming just now. Couldn't they just go and, like, scoop up all these people, like, while it's warm outside? Scoop up all these people. It's not like cleaning up the yard with your dog. Seriously. Unless, I mean, it's not like you can just take a pitchfork up there. Um, so uh, I do believe... Oh, God, that's gross. I do, I do believe that there is always at least some snow and ice up there. Because, I mean, look... I, and I mean, I, if, she's fall, if she fell 400 feet, that means she's further down probably than a lot of them. I think it may be gone by now, um, but last Thursday... Um, we, I had some, uh, some guests come by and I was uh, sort of talking about the word and I walked them out to the parking lot and I pointed out that last Thursday, which would have been January or whatever, the second week of January, there was still snow in the parking lot. The big snow pile. Right. And so I think that year round, there's always some snow and ice on, on Mount Hood. I will say this, despite my joke earlier about like how you ought to just leave the bodies as a warning to the others, you know, if you die on Everest, they do just leave you there. I mean, that's the thing because there's no, because it's so a, you know, they leave you there because it's. And I cannot recommend this book strongly enough. Uh, Into Thin Air. Go to Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Cross and pick it up. It is, and I don't care about sports or the outdoors. Well, he's just such an amazing I, writer. He's an amazing writer, and I, I, I cannot recommend it. So it's one of the greatest books I have ever read, Into Thin Air, uh, by John Krakauer. I was just watching a uh, Family Guy last night, and um, Brian was reading Into Thin Air. Really? Uh-huh. But they talk about how climbing Everest is I mean, it goes, you know, I have no, no ability to really say, but it, but it goes, he says it goes beyond beyond anything you ever conceived of in terms of exhaustion. So we're literally, you know, it's literally the energy that it takes sometimes to take your hand and to like, you know, to, to lift up your canteen or whatever, or the energy that it takes to unzip your tent when you can get that. He said, he said, there are cases of people who die, no, no joke, within 10 feet of their tent because they get to within 10 feet and they're like, I just can't walk anymore. And they just sit there 10 feet from the tent and freeze to death because they're so exhausted. And he said the idea that you would be able to carry a 200-pound person down 
you know, a body. It's just, he said, it's just, uh, there's no way. It's just impossible. So, yeah, if you do, and he does actually have several little anecdotes in this book about, it sounds so morbid, but it's also kind of fascinating, where, like, you know, so-and-so, a legendary climber who vanished in 1942, blah, 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 and then later on in the book, he'll be like, and as we were headed to the summit of Everest, we found so-and-so, legendary climber who vanished like, in 42. One-eyed Willie. The, exactly. It's exact, and it literally is like where they'll find the guy, like, frozen, looking at his pocket watch, like, I wonder if it's too late to get off the mountain. You know, and then, I mean, it's amazing. It's oh, an amazing book. You've got to read it. All right. We've got to break, because we got to make money. So uh, we'll do this. Then come back more from Darcy Zettler, who sounds fantastic, by the way. Thank you. All right. Uh, if you're on hold, uh, we got lots of calls here. Uh, we'll get uh, some of these. Uh, they're about manhood. They're about Richie and Drag. They're about any number of things. Stay there. All right, then. Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. A little fun fact here. I won't say say who it is. I I will say it's not my dentist. Um, She didn't go to the same place I I do. But uh, Susan Reynolds had some issue with her tooth where it was sort of a, I don't know, some weirdness, some sort of a, I don't know, some... What am I trying to say? When, like, in the gum line, it was something, some, some physical problem with the actual tooth, uh, where it felt like it was weird or like it was starting to kind of go, go a little wonky. And so she called her dentist, and I wrote this down. The dentist did, in fact, tell her, and this is, again, not, not the place I go. Susan Reynolds' dentist did, in fact, tell her, quote, you could also just file it down with some sandpaper. Oh. Right there. And Susan actually clarified. Oh, that's she, awesome. She said, while holding her, while holding her mouth, What? And the dentist said, you know, sandpaper or maybe an emery board. So there you go. So if you don't have, uh, you know, insurance and, you know, you're an American, so the odds are high that you don't, just sand whatever it is away with an emery board and then you'll be fine. Um, I'm sorry, what, Sarah? He's thinking outside of the box. You yeah. know, you got to give it to him. It really is. Uh, yes, indeed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is Darcy Zettler with the news. Are we, uh, oh, I'm sorry, are we, uh, let me prepare it. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, yes. <laughs> what are we doing? We've got an Obama watch Fantastic. story here. Let's do it. M Edge Productions, Obama. Uniting our country. I'll edit this down over the weekend. A moment in our history. Obama. Bringing people together. That's the best part right there. I like the overdose. Excellent. Here's your Obama watch. All right. Post-inauguration euphoria is sweeping America and could result in an Obama baby boom. The outpouring of euphoric optimism currently gripping the U.S. following the inauguration of Barack Obama may yet result in a baby boom towards the end of the year. Consider the mood sweeping America is a potent combination of hope optimism, hope and optimism for the future, and you have an almost certain increase in pregnancies, i.e. sex. Combine this with the back. Oh, you I had added to that actually in. scientifically link the two right there. I just you know, make it clear. From sex. 
Combine this with the fact that U.S. voters under the age of 30, the prime childbearing age, voted for Mr. Obama by a margin of 2 to 1, and you have the makings of a once-in-a-generation social phenomenon. Sarah, you're in the prime childbearing age. Just so you know, mm. according to the story. Okay. I mean, it's just a... Don't gross me out. I'm just helping you medical facts here. So. No, it's like that, but every day, you know, more and more I find out, and more of my friends are getting all knocked up. An Obama baby boom. Yes. I guess, look, whatever... An Obama uh, boom. But, I mean, but what is that? I mean, uh, far be it for me to, uh, you know, far, far be it for me to question what anybody, you know, what, what it get, you know, gets anybody all hot and bothered, but I, I guess I don't understand the connection. I really don't... You know what I mean? Like you, you don't. The no, no, no. Here's potent like, combination of hope and optimism for the future. Sounds like potent. That's... I just don't like that word. <laughs> potent is like saying moist. I just don't care for that word potent. at all. Potent. I, I find that word to be sort of you know. It's... I don't like moist, but potent's okay. You know what word I don't care for uh, in this sort of context? It's a. Uh, you'll hear this in any number of uh, advertisements for places that sell. You know. Um, love. Ac- pills? Lo- love accessories. No, they'll do that thing where they'll say they'll refer to selling. Uh, Lotions, which that I guess it's okay, but then and potions, and I don't really know what a potion is. I mean, I know what it is in like the bed knobs and broomsticks kind of a way, or whatever that which <laughs> movie that's, is. I mean, really, what is bed it? Knob. I just don't. Oh, no, I just don't. But but it's like one thing in the stories where they talk about there's a power outage, and then everybody says, well, there's no power. Well, that's uh, we might as well just hump it out, you know. And then it's like nine months later, baby, whatever, uh, you know, a snowstorm or something. Like I'm a totally expecting there's going to be a, like a snowpocalypse, baby boom, like nine months from this last December. I'm telling you right now, you hack journalist, and I know you're listening. This will be your story in like nine months minus however many weeks it's been since January 22nd, 20 or December 21st, 22nd. That big snow, the snowbound mm-hmm, thing. Right. What Dave Schmitke called the snowgasm. Um, that like week when nobody left the house. So it, it'll be like August. Yeah. It'll so be, so it'll be Leo's. So put that in your uh, being born. put that in your Outlook calendar right now, and you can start reporting on that in August about there's a bunch of snow babies being born. That I understand because you're stuck at home. I don't understand the whole like, you know, baby, I was I was just watching Barack Obama talk about his economic plan. And I was hearing him talk to Tim Geithner, who's going to be heading the Treasury Department. And I have to say that I have never been more turned on. So let's have relations right now. Um, you know, whatever. I mean, that's your thing. That's your thing. I'm just saying I don't really get it. But... I'm, glad, I'm glad you clarified because I thought you were comparing his presidential election to a power outage and that those were hand in hand. So thank no. you for that. No, no. I just, uh, you know, whatever. I can see how people would be happy about the state of affairs. And, um, you know, I think more people getting it on is just going to make this world a happier place. You're whatever a good person, works. You know what? Because people who are happy that Obama's in office. Are maybe might be smarter than the average bear. Therefore, smart people are procreate. Reversing idiocracy is what mm-hmm. they No, I don't, I don't care. I'm just I'm looking for the connection. I still can't believe that Sarah Palin isn't vice president. Like, that, that just seemed like it was going to happen. I still feel like I'm in a dream bubble. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about her anymore. I, I mean, she'll be back for comedy value, but at this point, it really is just for... No, once those looks start fading, nobody's going to care. Oh, snap. Well, you know, it's true. That's that's the only reason you talked about her, Rick. No, it's true. I mean, that's it really, I have to be honest about that, because if she looked like Kathy Bates, I don't think I would have found her nearly as interesting. Um, so, you know, no, I'm I'm with you on that. And it was that whole, and here's, what, here's the moment when Sarah Palin really had me. It was the moment during that debate with Joe Biden when she walked out in that Morticia Adams dress. I mean, that was with a visible panty line, I might add. 
Uh, which did have visible panties. Which like that. I know that women all hate, but guys love them, and that's the thing that women never get. Is no, that guys like the podium, those. There was a camera behind her, and she was kind of shaking her ass, and you could totally yeah. see the line. Total wow. visible panty line, and guys are into that kind of a thing. So, and then yeah, she did have this great Carolyn Jones as Morticia Adams dress, and I have to say, she looked really good. There was just no looked really good, and and just and the combination of hot and evil is just, and rich, is just sort of a great, and maybe that's because I'm, like, I don't know, maybe I'm secretly a lady, but there, I've said many times, it, it's this business of, like, how, you know, women will be attracted to a guy because he's, he's you know, he's powerful or if he's got money or whatever, and I get, they say that that's typically an for guys, totally true for me. You take a, whoever, I don't care what it is, you take a woman and you give her, like, a money or power or both, that's, you know, the, the, the hotness is exponentially increased. All right. Is that the do we have more Obama or was that it? That was it. Well, let me just close out then the, the uh, there's your Obama watch. The best part is how the words dignity and pride are said in the, like, the least dignified uh, way you could possibly do it, which is in a radio jingle. <laughs> right, here's Darcy Zettler on KCMD Portland. All right, we've got a woman accused of trying to kill her husband. Visine gets the red out. According to its slogan, it apparently is yet less useful for killing your husband. Authorities say that at least this is true for Tanya L. Peterson's case. The 40-year-old Fairgrove woman was charged with first-degree assault Thursday after allegedly dumping half a bottle of eye drops in her husband's tea last year. According to court documents, a co-worker of Peterson's, referred to as D.B., called the Greene County Sheriff's Office on Wednesday. She stated the conversation with Tanya Peterson had a conversation with Tanya Peterson about trying to kill her husband, Cecil Peterson. Cecil. I like that name. A probable cause statement says adding the woman made it clear she wanted to kill her husband. I think if you had a conversation with someone and she said, I want to kill my husband. I'm what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm scrapbooking and then I'm going to do a little <laughs> point. How about you? I'm going to cut off my husband's head and then I'm going to set it on fire. So and she was dumping a bottle, like a little tiny bottle of it? Well, it must have been a half a bottle. bottle. Well, I mean, they don't sell. I've never seen a big vise. So it must bottle. have been like just, just like, a, like an ounce thing or whatever. Well, they immediately contacted Cecil Peterson, who reported he'd been having stomach problems for the past two months. So this was an ongoing thing, possibly. Here's she was slowly poisoning him with. I drops. This is interesting to me because when I was, uh, and maybe this, maybe we got this idea from a movie. That's where most uh, young men get get their ideas. When I was in school, I we were all under the impression that if you put a couple of drops of Visine in a guy, you know, somebody's beverage, that it would give them some uncontrollable bathroom problem. And Wait, I forget whether it was number one Dumber? or number two. Dumb and Dumber movie was that it? No, see, it was before that. That was when I was in grade school, which mm. was like dozens and dozens of years ago. <laughs> so I forget whether it gave you the. Uh, Stand up or the sit-down problem. But, uh, but we always heard that if you put Visine in a guy's drink, just a little bit of it, it would give you like a whole weird, like you'd have uh, you'd have issues with your, um, you know, expelling waste. And and so maybe, so, but it sounds like there might be some truth to that, actually. There is. Poison control personnel informed a detective that ingesting too much Visine would put a person in a coma with several other serious That's symptoms. not true. That's a lie. Poison Visine, control. Visine will not put you in a coma. I thought it just... Yeah, it could do things to your stomach, but not kill you. I mean, when you say ingest too much, I wonder if it's like a barrel of it. I have some Visine in my bag if you want to try some, Rick. Let's have Richie do it. <laughs> All right. And so forth. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I think we've got... Hold on. Maybe we've got a cl clarification about the Obama boom, perhaps. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah. Hello, you three. How are you all doing? Hello. Good. 
since you had the Obama watch and stuff, it just reminded me I was watching headline news this morning, and they now have got an Obama Chia pet. And, and they, they've got two different ones, one that he's looking like calm, and then the other one like he's like a, a real serious look. And his hair grows, and it, so it, it basically it looks like he has a green fro. I was, it's like a Chia fro. Yeah, a Chia fro, you know. And, and, of course, they had to put his uh, his high school picture, boom, next to the Chia fro, boom, you know. And, you know, I just I thought that was humorous. And, of course, you know, Chia Pet's got to get in on that because they have lots of orders for him because it's not out on the market yet, but it will be soon. But they are stockpiled, and they will have you – know, they've got lots of orders for him. And so, so this is – now, when, you, and when you're talking about his high school photo, is this the one where he's got – is this one he's holding? It's like he's holding a cigarette, and, like, he's got the, 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 the white hat on him. Am I thinking of the right thing? Uh, no, this one, it was just one of his, I don't know what grade, it looked like it would either be a junior or senior picture, but it's just a picture of him, and, you know, then they, then they had the actual, they had one actual Chia pet that grew out of him, you know, so they had him side by side. And so is it called the Obama Chia pet, or have they somehow conflated into, like, Chibama? Uh, no, it, it just says, I believe it just said Chia pet, but, you know, it just had his face out there. And That's excellent. And stuff. And uh, so, you know, I, I just I thought that was kind of humorous. But, you know, right now I guess people are, are going to get whatever money they can since, you know, o Obama mania continues on. So, uh, hey, you know what? We have a stupid, broken economy. I'm for people making money any way that they can. I don't care what you have to do. If you find something that sells, that people will give you money for, do it until you've wrung every dime out of that market. Yes, and then also I saw where they have got – um, uh, two little dolls with the same names, and they're little black girls also, with the same names as his daughters. Oh, now that's and, just, that's weird. Yeah, and you know, and I don't remember what company did this, you know, but they, they said there, it was, you know, there was, it, they didn't take the, you know, they, they made up the names, so on and so forth, and, and one of the reporters said, yeah, they made up the names on November 4th, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, you know, I mean, if you're going to do things, okay, but, you know, to me, leave the kids out of it, regardless of what it is. Seriously, I'm telling you right now, you go to the store and you buy uh, dolls of Barack Obama's children, your name is going on a list somewhere, and there's going to be that guy from Profiler looking in your window at night to make sure that you're not cutting off somebody's skin. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. All right, take it easy. There you go. By the way, every single night when I watch Anderson Cooper, they're running the edge for that Obama plate uh, like it's going out of style. I mean, every every commercial break. It's the, his confident smile and kind eyes can now be yours, white person, on a plate. I mean, constantly, constantly selling it because I think they know that, like, the window is, the window is closing. One must strike while the iron is hot and so forth. All right, uh, Darcy Zettler with the news. Well, couldn't kill him with Visine, but a woman was sentenced for a dumbbell attack on her husband. New Berlin woman who put plastic wrap across her husband's face and hit him with a dumbbell because she wanted him to shut up. Was sentenced Friday to four months in the Wasuka County work release jail and put on probation for five years. But I mean, he must, was he, I don't understand. So he wouldn't, let's get a hold of ourselves here. She wanted him to shut up. So the end result of this was that she wrapped him in Visine and hit him with a dumbbell. So my question is, was he, I mean, was he drugged? Or was he just, was she like, hold on, I'm going to do something really funny. Now, now I'm going to wrap you in, you know, in, in duct tape first or whatever, in, in plastic wrap. 
I mean, did he did he consent or was he asleep or something? Well, I they, they don't get into details on that, but she, on October 24th, cracked under the strain of living for years with a verbally abusive husband, reacted violently, and her attorney told the county circuit judge, Lee Dreyfus Jr., during her sentence hearing that it was just too much. She just cracked. Nonetheless, Dreyfus told... That was told that her actions were carried beyond what is appropriate yeah. to end the relationship with her husband. That's and my favorite part. I like people. You know, there's something that amuses me about completely disproportionate responses. I mean, you know what I mean? There's just <laughs> well, you can only take so much crap before you, something's got to give. Seriously, there was that. Uh, there was some. Uh, I don't know. There was some story, or maybe it's just a fantasy in my head. You know, where there's like a guy running a leaf blower. And, you know, they, like the guy next door just decides he's one leaf blower morning too many and just goes out with a nine iron. It just beats the guy into a pulp. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't break the law. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a certain sort of visceral pleasure at that completely disproportionately violent response. Well, I do have more information. Further down in the story, it actually makes it better. The husband said that she had initiated sexual contact, tying him to bedposts and blindfolding him. Then he said she put the plastic wrap over his mouth and nose, making it difficult for him to breathe. (laughs) He began thrashing and tried to yell for help. Yeah, well done. (laughs) Another man undone by his penis. On that note, uh, we come back. Uh, we'll do a couple more stories of Darcy Zettler. Good. And then we shall let you return. Yeah, I'll let you go because I know you, uh, you're, uh, you want to make sure you don't uh, get all uh, get, get all raspy. And raspy. Uh, so we've also got, uh, let's see, we've got more calls about Richie and Drag. We've got a couple calls about Mount Hood. And we will, in fact, talk to the guy who is coaching Richie, who is not only a cross-dresser, but is, in fact, this is not a joke. Not the guy who's coaching him. No. Richie's the cross-dresser. Right. So you said, we'll talk to the guy. Oh, well, Richie's a cross-dresser, not the coach. I mean, not the best of my knowledge. I don't know. Uh, but the guy who is coaching Richie as Richie gets on the road to becoming a mixed martial arts fighter. And I'm not making that up. So that's on the way later on Court and Fatboy, Aaron Duran, another installment of the greatest songs ever made, and so forth. Stay right there. Your call's next on The Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, which is today a largely Sam Adams free zone. Those who are playing the home game. 503-733-2970. In just a moment, we will have a uh, few final stories with Darcy Zettler before she rolls on out. Uh, after that, we'll talk to um, Scott McQuarrie, who is Richie, Bristol, uh, Richie Bristol's uh, coach uh, at Team Quest as he's sort of uh, pursuing this mixed martial arts thing. And by the way, well, two things. One, in a moment, I'm going to pretend that somebody else is talking for just the sake of talking while I secretly go to the fridge and get a visa. Two, I watched that video during the break of Richie doing, you know, doing the, the mixed martial arts fighting. Right? And I know he's not an officially a fighter, but he's still training. But you know what I mean? He's yeah, doing, training. Too. But he's doing that wrestling. He's training to audition. Badass. I mean, he really just uh, that was it's impressive. I I didn't know. I mean, I knew he won, but I didn't quite know what to expect. But uh, well done, Richie. So good for you, friend. Uh, let's see. Let's just uh, do these two. Then we'll get a couple stories. Then uh, Darcy will bid us farewell. Then we'll move on with everything else today. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might you be? Oh, this is David in Southeast Portland. Hello, David. How are you? I am fine. An original listener. I still have an original Rick Emerson listener number someplace. That's that's like that's like 11 years ago. It was like it's like in the 300. Well done. That's worth nothing. One of the well, yeah, but I I'm one of the few people that actually photographed you and got your name in small community newspapers. Are you that guy that uh, yeah, are you that yeah, guy that anyway, fo- this- wait no 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 hold on I gotta find it. Are you the guy who worked for that paper where I was? Are you the guy from that thing that did the wait at the Super Bowl party? 
Yeah, and also when you were doing the judging the uh, bands thing. Ah, uh, it was no good. I was fat with a Ramon shirt. Yeah, that was no good. Was that when you saw that? Yeah, like, come on. You, you, did, you did just fine. Yeah. So I, I was, what I, what I, the, I'm really glad to hear that. Yes? That, oh, you're getting the visa. Great. Really glad to hear that Richie is getting professional training. Now, I've never been in the uh, in the cage, but I've been involved with Full Contact Fighting Federation since they started in 2001 as their video uh, producer and director. So I've seen over 200 bouts, I'd say maybe 230 bouts, and we have a term uh, among the crew for individuals that announce themselves as being self-trained or street fighters, and that term is loser. (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, you get a lot of those guys who, I don't mean disrespect, but guys who, I mean, not that I can do it, but guys who get in there and they're like, no, 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 I taught myself in the school of hard knocks, and then those are guys that like three seconds in are tapping out. So they're jumping around, they're Diving and, yeah. their, and their seconds and their you know their their corner men yeah. or they're 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 beating their chest and then it just ends with all, it ends with just swallowing your own teeth that's yeah. how that always sort of so you know as far as we can remember I was thinking it over and out of the 230 or so bouts that we've that we've watched I think two of them were run were, were won by a, a, an untrained fighter so Richie's doing it the right way though and you've got you got if you haven't yet you go to 970.am uh, right, and I scroll down and you look for this uh, video of, uh, of Richie wrestling here, where you, and he's kind of edited it down so you can just kind of get to the meat of it. So. I hope to see him. You know, uh, the Rumble at the Roseland is uh, non, uh, our amateur fight, so I, I really hope to see him coming right. coming in there, one of the fights coming up sometime. We'll find out more soon, sir. All right, that's David. Thank you for calling. All right, uh, we'll get more calls here in just a few. Darcy Zettler, who was gracious with her presence today. Uh, let's do like two more here, and then we will uh, we will let you head for Bid the you adieu. All right. Faulty locks repaired at Gage County Jail. Beatrice, Nebraska. Faulty cell locks have been repaired at the Gage County Jail. The problem was discovered by guards trying to figure out who cleaned up a tray of food that had been thrown against the wall. Sheriff Millard Gus, Gusserferson, I'm sure that's how you say his name. Millard, Millard? Millard Gusserferson. All right. Gustafuston. <laughs> Either one of those really? are really strange. I'm hoping right now that X percent of the audience is stoned right now because that's going to be fantastically amusing. Said last week, after the inmate threw the food, the guard went looking for cleaning supplies, and when she returned, she noticed the mess had been cleaned up and not by her or any other jail workers. So they actually had, so this was like a, a the broken lock that they used just for housekeeping purposes. Yes. No need to escape from prison. So the prisoners are like a lot of like, well, we could use this broken uh, lock to get out. No, no, no. Let's let's just tidy everything and make it just so. And secret about it. All right. Well, there you go. All right. All right. We've got what one is your final story more. of the day? What are you going to end with? We don't even know. More lottery wins prove unlucky for gas station employees. Wandsworth selling the winning lottery ticket turned out to be unlucky for four employees at a gas station that sold the twenty-five point five million ticket January third. The employees, a former manager and three cashiers, alleged that they were fired because the Wadsworth mobile owner did not want to share the 1% commission he claims, he, well, you get when you sell That's the deal, right? Yeah, so like it's a plaid pantry that sells the thing, you get like a certain exactly. slice of it or whatever. Yeah. You know, you know the thing is, the lottery people, the, the folks who win the lottery like this, and then they got to, you know, they're always fighting it out. It is well, like it some... It brings out the bad in people. See, yeah. but, and don't you think like it is some weird, like it's some... I don't, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's like some weird economic Darwinism where people, if they could just come to an understanding, they'd all be richer than they were the day before. But instead, there's always one guy that's like, no, 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 I'm going to take all of it. And then and then all of them end up losing all the money. That's the they Everybody ends up out in the cold rather than just kind of splitting it up. They never know how to handle it. That, well, and they didn't. They, he didn't handle it. He just fired everyone. So... Uh, 
That's Shortly after the meeting, all the employees were let go. So that was it. Nothing had to be done. Six to eight weeks, the owner got the got the winnings from the lottery and has nothing. He there's no recourse. He can fire whoever he wants. It's yeah, but they could probably. But, but see, they could probably sue him, and they might not win. But they could probably. I mean, you can sue. As somebody once said, you can sue a bagel for being a ham sandwich. You could, um, you know, <laughs> the, the judge might tell you no. But they could probably sue him, and then it's going to cost him. It's like I, there was a story I saw the other day. And I forget where it was, but it was. It might have even been here, but I don't think so. There's some guy remodeling uh, his house or whatever, and, uh, and he tore down a wall. And inside the wall, it was literally it was like a suitcase of money in the wall. Uh, and it was like it was some you know it was not a lot. I mean not, not like billions, but it was like it was you know like a hundred grand or something. It was in a suitcase in the wall. In the wall. And the guy's like, hey, look at this. And, but the landlord, I think, was the one who claimed it belonged to him. So the guy was remodeling his home. Pulls down the wall, suitcase of money. The guy says, hey, I found it. You never would have known it was here, but I was remodeling. And the landlord's like, hey, the, the house belongs to me. And the guy's like, yeah, but, you know, but it belonged to somebody before you. And they didn't get it, so why should you get it? And, you know, whatever. So they started fighting about it. And, of course, the legal fees were such that, like, they, they ended up each with, like, $1,000. As opposed to just saying, like, why don't we just split it and not be jackasses? Or just never tell the landlord that exactly. you found it. Sounds like a good plan to me. There you go. That's Darcy Zettler's legal advice to all of you. <laughs> all right, Darcy Zettler. Uh, and I and I, maybe I asked you this last time. Maybe I'm not. Um, at some point, if you um, if you have contact info or a website or whatever, if you yeah, wait for people to get a hold a of you, account. no, not a Facebook account. <laughs> you don't have to uh, think about it. If there's a, if you, you, know? you if people want to get a hold of you, if you have an email address I or something, I have a you LinkedIn can... account. You can just look in for Darcy Zettler on LinkedIn.com. That's uh, Zettler one Z two T's. Yep, you got it. All right, excellent, Darcy Zettler. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank today. you for having me, you guys. Right, have a good weekend. You too. All right, Darcy Zettler, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> good pick. And there you go. we're done. All right, oh, Richie Coach on the warm line? Yes, it is. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie, you'll join us here in just a second. Let me get a couple of these calls, then we will uh, speak to Scott McQuarrie, who is uh, who is the Miyagi to Richie's Daniel. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. How are you? What's up? Hey, I was going to ask you. I wonder if Obama gets any residual uh, income from any of this. No, because he's, he's a public figure, so he doesn't retain likeness rights. Are you sure? Yes. Are you absolutely positive? Well, I'm not a lawyer, but I know that when you're a public figure, you lose most of the you lose most of the likeness and image rights that you would normally have, especially because people can uh, people can position most of those things as being parody or satire, which makes them exempt from the laws that govern such things. Okay, number two, um, how come you're not sponsoring Richie? I want to know. What do you mean? Well, sponsoring him. I mean. You know, fighters need sponsorship. Well, because, need well because, because at the moment he's only training. He's not an actual fighter yet. Oh, he hasn't graduated yet. Yeah, he's still training. So he's not a fighter yet, so we're not at that point. Okay. And okay. number three, is Darcy as hot as she sounds? Completely. Yes. She's out of the room now, so I can see, say she's... See, I know. Absolutely. But I was going to ask you, look at her, and now she's gone. I was like, and yeah. I don't know what celebrity she most right. resembles. It doesn't matter. She's Yeah, she's gorgeous. Well, she's one of those nice people. Like, like she's pretty... She's so dainty and cute. She really does. She's pretty, and she's nice, too, so that makes her even, you know... Yeah, and she's cool. And she's yeah, quick. Likes her. No, she's she's really quick too. She the, here's the the moment, and I mean, it sound like we're just slobbering all over the gas now that she's gone. But that moment, don't ever do that again, Richie. The but the <laughs> moment, grunting. The, the moment that I uh, that I knew that she was really going to work is when she was she was telling us how you know she had had to fire people before, and I said, well, let's do a little like acting it out. Let's do a little role play where you fire me, and I was pretending to be typing away on the keyboard, and. And as she was firing me, and I'm kind of recreating it badly, but I said, why are you firing me? And I'm typing away in the keyboard pretending to work. And she goes, well, in addition, what'd she say? In addition to your overly excessive Internet usage, which was funny because I had just started doing it and she immediately had it. So she was funny. Anyway, the point is, yes, gorgeous. 
Oh, well, thank you very much. Right, well, thanks. listen, have a great day. Best show ever. Thank you. All right. Uh, so in a few, we'll talk to Court and Fatboy about uh, Battlestag Galactica. Later on, Aaron Duran will do uh, Greatest Songs Ever Made, another submission for the worst story in the history of the universe, and so forth. Uh, now, in a moment, we'll bring on Scott McQuarrie, who is the head coach slash owner at Team Quest, uh, TeamQuestWest.com, who's helping to train Richie. Uh, so, Richie, before we, uh, before we do this, so I watched your video, uh, which you can see at 970.am, by the way. It's a video of Richie. Um, this is what, his two matches kind of edited down? Uh... I think that's five of them. Is it five? I mean, I was sort of, I mean, I was kind of skipping through to just the, I was just skipping to the parts where the guy goes and taps out. Yeah. Um, two of them they tapped out. Okay, so that's what I was kind of looking for here. But it's, um, so where are you at right now? There's like guy in the street who's thinking about being a fighter, and then there's the guy in the cage with the rose garden who is fighting. Where Where are you between those two? Uh, I'm in the part of getting in shape and um, just the initial beginning aspect of it, I guess, and then I want to train uh, with the MMA team to actual at the Team Quest MMA team. It's, yeah, it's pretty impressive what I uh, what I saw you do there. So uh, well done on that. Well, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, TeamQuestWest.com uh, head coach owner Scott McQuarrie. Hello there, sir. Uh, hello. How are you, my friend? How's uh, how's life treating you? Oh, fantastic. Thank you, sir. Um, so I was watching this uh, video of Richie, and this is a thing that. I mean, it kind of, kind of, it sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, Richie's obviously been doing it, but it's not like he hadn't really publicly announced it or anything. So, how did it? I guess I should ask then, Richie. So, how did it? Is it like a thing you've always wanted to do, or did it just like occur to you? Was it like a dare? Uh, no, I wanted to lose forty pounds to get in the dress, and I couldn't do it on my own, and I only had two months to do it. So I. Let me under- wait. Hold on. Let me understand this. So you ended up being, you ended up training to be a cage fighter, just as an adjunct. Like that was just incidental. This all came about your your ongoing training to ideally become a cage fighter came about because you wanted to lose a lot of weight so you could dress as a lady. Yeah, and then I, I went to some cage fights and I saw. Couldn't you have just dieted? I mean, it's uh, how did I mean who suggested? Like in other words, if Sarah was trying to like lose, you know, whatever, like you know that, that specific goal, or if I was trying to lose a specific goal, I don't think either of us would say, "Look, uh, we got to lose X number of pounds." I know cage fighting. Like, it would never have occurred to me. So how did, I mean, really? Yeah, how did that even come about? Well, it's the best way to get in shape. I mean, you don't have to do actual cage fighting to get in shape. You could do kickboxing like a lot of people. All right. Well, That's why okay. I was thinking I needed to do it fast, and I wanted to be serious about it. So Team Quest was where so I was. So you just picked up the phone and called, like? No, I actually was smoking a cigarette three months ago, driving <laughs> the car down I-5, you know, uh, going to Team Quest, going, mm, I need to get in shape, and actually I just walked in and started talking to Scott. But, but I mean, did you, but did you know anybody there? Uh, not really. Did you just, so I guess what I'm asking is, like, did you literally just pick up the phone or just drive there or go to the website and be like, hi, my name's Richie, you got to yep. train me. Yeah, yeah, basically. And so, uh, so Scott, can any, I mean, is it, is it just, I mean, can anybody do that? Can anybody just sort of walk in and, and be like, hey, I, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe doing some of that fighting stuff or, or they just want to train or whatever and then like they can just walk in off the street and, and kind of sign up to do it? Well, everybody's got to start somewhere, Rick. Um, yeah, somebody could walk right in and say, hey, this is what I think I want to do, and, you know, we can assess it. Um, normally it takes a little more time than people first anticipate to uh, step into the cage. Um, it's normally not just a matter of a couple months of training and then we throw you in. Now, I know Richie's been doing well, – how long How long every day do you work out, Richie? Every day? Yeah, I mean, uh, but you're like, like hours on end, right? Our minimum. So is that typical? I mean, is it people who, uh, you know, the kind of train and they, they have to work out for like two, three hours a day, or is that is that kind of – not the norm. Well, 
Yeah, you know, it depends on what your goals are. Like you were saying, if you really want to get into the cage and you're you're adamant that that's what you want to do, you're obviously with with the proper instruction and the proper training, you're going to excel a lot faster. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. But if you're just looking to lose weight, you know, it's easy enough to come in here like three times a week for 45 minutes a class of say one of our fit classes, and you can achieve that goal. So speaking about getting in the cage, so we've had Matt uh, Matt the Law Lindland uh, on the show uh, several times here, and I, you know, I've gone to see, uh, I've gone to see that guy compete, and I, uh, I actually a couple of years ago I did like a little, like a ring announcing thing or whatever. So I've kind of seen this sort of happen up close, and I can tell you, you talk to Matt Lindland, and it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that guy could kill you with one punch. I mean, really, if you just weren't paying attention, and he just sort of walked up and clocked you. You'd be, I think, more or less dead at that point. So, so like, are you freaked out about it, Richard? Like, if you're going to be like in the cage, like you, I mean, not that you're going to be fine, Matt Lindland, but are you afraid that you're like you're going to be in the cage or some guy that might just take out your teeth? Uh, yeah, that's why I need to train. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't like. I'm still flinching. Believe me, I crawl up like a little girl in a ball sometimes, and coach beats me up like last night. But I mean, does it does it freak does it freak you out that like you're you're doing a thing? I mean, I know you can tap out and everything, but where they're literally a guy is just there walking in, looking at you, thinking like, I'm gonna hit that guy as hard as I possibly can until he whimpers like a child. Uh, I don't. No, I've been eased into it. I mean, I just realized that actual MMA gloves really, really hurt compared to, like, 16-ounce boxing gloves. Is it, is it like, big difference. less padding or something? Yeah, there's, like, uh, 11 ounces of padding that I don't know. If now, have you, gotten, have you gotten hurt? Have you gotten, uh, like, have you been uh, in that, you know? Well, I think I've, with uh, Coach uh, McCorry, I've sparred uh, three or four times, and, yeah, each time he knocks me down about 10, 15 times, makes me tap out. I never knew a guy could actually tap out while still standing on his feet. And I did. Now, how did he? Was that just like choking you out or something? Uh, if I knew, uh, I would defend what myself. What was it? Yeah, okay, all right, Scott McCoy, you have to tell us. So, how did you? How did you make Richie tap out while standing? God, I don't remember. There were uh, so many of them. <laughs> you know, it, it may have been a, what we call a guillotine or uh, any number of things like that. But you know, Rick, like what you were talking about a minute ago, as, as far as you know, the fear of getting hurt. That's one of the things you have to overcome when you first have a desire to do this type of thing. And, and you have to realize that this is a, a legitimate sport. But your chances of getting hurt really isn't any greater than being out and playing football or lacrosse or rugby or, you know, any contact sport. And so the same question I asked Richie, so I just can't I just can't get past the cross-dressing thing. Is it like, let me ask you, I have to be honest. So when you're uh, training Richie or he's, you're, you're choking him out or you're grappling or whatever, like, do you just mentally in your head superimpose like a pink tutu on him? I mean, come on. You have to be honest. Not, not so much, but, you know, I will tell you, Rick, that, you know, here right about the time when he was doing that, uh, his uh, cross-dressing thing, what have you, and uh, we agreed to keep that pretty much out of the gym. Did so he sort like, of – did he did he tell you in advance – was it like – did you did he tell you right off the bat, or did he wait until you he'd been doing it for a while and they go, look, uh, now that we've kind of known each other, there's something you should know. <laughs> I, uh, I dress in ladies under things. No, he, he was up front about it, and I just said, you know, I, I think that we really need to keep that separate for the professionalism thing. And I obviously knew where the line was. The line was the parking lot, because when Richie would arrive, I would see his car pull up, and then I'd see two legs with high heels get out, <laughs> and he'd change his shoes in the parking lot. Dude. <laughs> Richie, how did that conversation go? How did you broach that subject initially? Uh, I don't even remember. Yes, you do. Don't lie. <laughs> I don't even remember. Yes, you do. Don't lie. I just was slapping at the mouth. <laughs> but I mean, what did you? But what did you say? I mean, did you say like? Uh, did you beat around the bush, or did you just go right into it? Like, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, uh, I dress as a woman. I dress as a woman. I need to lose forty pounds. I fit in a dress. 
And and then, but it seems like, but you know, to see, this is what makes Portland a great city. Is that you said, look, uh, I'm here to uh, ideally be a cage fighter in mixed martial arts, but you need to know that I wear a dress and I need to lose some weight to get into that and look slinky. So help me out. And then, of course, Scott McCoy said, all right then, well, let's go. So that's you know, that's what makes our city uh, exemplary. Uh, so. So, so there's the, the guy in the street who just decides he wants to uh, be a, an MMA fighter, and then, so I was saying earlier, there's the guy in the cage fighting. Where is Richie between those two poles? Like, what what lies between here and him actually fighting a guy in a cage? Well, a lot of that is really up to him. It depends on how he progresses, and he's making extremely fast progression at this point because he's putting in a lot of hours and he works really hard. He catches on well, and a lot of people don't know Richie's wrestling background. Um, that has come into play a lot because Richie has a hard work ethic, and that's what pays off. So we're just going to have to see where it goes from here. Richie just stepped into the MMA class this week. We let him come in. It's like, okay, let's try it. It's going to take a while to get used to the water before we know how far he's going to go. Excellent. Well, I mean, so best of continued success, Richie. I mean, really, it's, it's very cool. I mean, I did, and I, I don't have it in front of me. Our friend Seamus uh, sent me an email last night that I, I actually forgot to forward to this account, so I don't have it in front of me. But he and I didn't know this, and he used to do this. He he did mixed martial arts, I guess, for a decade, and he doesn't do it anymore. And, and he was talking about just the, the regimen and the routine you have to go through to, to even try to do that kind of a thing, and it's, it's, not, it's not, not anything I could do. So um, so I guess as, as this progresses, we'll sort of, you know, I guess we'll we'll, we'll find out more about it. Uh, TeamQuestWest.com, and I know you guys, everybody sort of thinks of you guys as the cage fighting and all of that, but you don't, but it's you do more than that because it's, it's fitness, too, and you actually, it's for women and kids and everything as well. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we have Tai Chi classes. Uh, we have women's classes, kids' classes. You know, 85% of the people who come through our door really don't have any intention of fighting. Unlike Richie, most people want to come in. They have a, a day job. They don't want to get black eyes. They don't want to limp around. You know, they, but they want to get a good workout, and that's what we provide. I'm just picturing Richie as Ed Norton in Fight Club, just sitting across the conference room with, like, missing missing three teeth and oozing from one of his ears, just going, I don't have my PowerPoint presentation. F you. <laughs> All right. Um, Scott McQuarrie, TeamQuestWest.com. Uh, women's and kids' classes, it is uh, not just for fighting. So go to TeamQuestWest.com to find out more. Scott McQuarrie, thank you, sir. Thank you very much, All sir. Right, have a great day. Thank, thank you. Coach. All right, there you go. Excellent. Well done, Richie. I got my Vaseline, too. Please don't say that. Why do you have your Vaseline? Don't ask. Don't ask. I don't even know what the answer is. No, because they put it all over your face so you don't get cut up. They looned me up last night. They loon you up? They lubed me up. They lubed my face. So you're wrestling with a bunch of greasy men. They lubed me up last night. No, no, no. It was just my No, that's for your face when you get punched. Mm Mm-hmm. I just started getting punched. Did you ever get that soundbite of me saying, like, I'm a pretty gay man looking for sex or whatever? <laughs> whatever that thing is I said the other day. Yes, I Somebody did. sent it to me, and I forwarded it to Sarah. And uh, we had somebody who was demanding that I play it on the end. So, look, I have no shame. I was I was going through, but I just I don't have it. I actually forwarded it to Sarah. But I was, we were talking about the Sam Adams thing. And I think I was speaking. I was going to play it yesterday, but it was it just seems like too much. It's really sure it's a big buzzkill. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad we had yesterday. Let me just say this. You can, and I put a little... You know, blog up about this that I think is literally it's no more than like five or six sentences where I just said like look the bottom line is you know da 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 and uh, but but you know so as much as I'm glad we had it I'm so glad that we're not talking about that today so but I think I think on Tuesday or something I was actually speaking sort of like in in that role 
And I think I did, in fact, say something like, I am a very pretty gay man, and I'm looking to have sex tonight, or whatever. And then it was immediately, like, excerpted, and then, you know, sent in. So we'll uh, we'll get to that later on. Aaron Geek in the City, Duran, will be uh, joining us here later on. We'll be counting down the top five overrated video games of all time. We'll talk Battlestar Galactica with Gordon Fatboy from Rock 101 KUFO, and another installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made. I don't know if this is the soundbite you're talking about. I'm, I'm a hot, gay, you know, powerful guy. Bring it on. Was was that it? It's less explicit than I remember, actually. I'm, I thought, I'm a hot, gay, you know, powerful guy. Bring it on. I thought I'd said something else, but that that's also good. All right. Well, um, I'm, I'm a hot, gay, you know, powerful guy. Bring it on. I'm also a classy girl. Okay. We'll be back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Classy girl. Penis and Xbox. I'm a classy girl. You're a grandstander. That's all I have to say. I'm a classy girl. What is ring worm? I'm a classy girl. His tongue is hanging out. Look what I got you. I'm a classy girl. <laughs> I'm a classy girl. Good news, everyone. I'm a classy girl. Jesus, for the love of Christ. I'm a classy girl. Indeed. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Aaron Geek in the City Duran will be here. Uh, he'll have a top five for his top five overrated video games of all time. Uh, still to come as well, another installment of the greatest songs ever made and a nominee for Worst Story in the History of the World. And I don't want to prejudice anybody like out of the gate about it. I, I'm saying it's got... There are moments in the story that are pretty vile. Overall, I don't know. We never did the recount, too, of whether or not... You are so right. Yes, J'accuse. we should do that. No, you are, to- you are completely right about that. We never did... Because the last time we did Worst Story in the History of the World, it was the, the, the spider story versus the eyeball story, and it was a draw, which I don't think it ever happened before. And we decided... And it, because it was when... It wasn't when Darcy was here. When did we do it? Was it no, last Friday? No, we're talking about the spider story versus the pregnant woman story. That is right. Okay. So uh, did the eyeball story. So then the spider story beat the eyeball story, and now it's the spider story versus the woman who had the dead fetus in her stomach for 60 years. Hello, everyone. We're part of the CBS radio network, Ooh. the network of Edward R. Murrow, the Tiffany Network. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show. From Rock 101, KUFO, our good friends, Gordon Fatboy. Hello. Hello. Hola. Hey. 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 Hiya. Hola. I don't know when I should play this. Should I play it now? I got nothing. What What do we have? I don't know how it starts. Oops, it starts like uh, that. Uh, yes. yes, that's the prelude to war. Yes, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica, of course, uh, on tonight at 10 p.m. And if you are so inclined, you can uh, join us at the Baghdad Theater. Uh, 9 p.m. is when the doors are. If If you were there last week, you uh, no doubt waited outside for a while, and the doors didn't open until 9.30. We fixed that. 
Nine is when the doors uh, open. Everybody can flood in, get their beers and such, and uh, enjoy. And if you've watched the show for any you know extended period of time, you know that you're going to want something alcoholic in front of you after the show. Ends. Yeah. So uh, I guess this is now the point when we should, and I will you say. You guys got just directly to the whoring. That was impressive. Well, that's, that's why I waited. There was this awkward <laughs> pause where I was like, who would have, they're like a pretense. Like, I'm going to back into it somehow, yeah. just, you know. Uh, but I will say right now, uh, if you have not seen last Friday's Battlestar Galactica, or if you're still playing catch-up around it, or you're going to be watching the whole series in the beginning or something, uh, you, just turn down your radio for the next, I don't know, minute or so, because we're going to talk about uh, what happened last Friday. Oh, so, yes. The uh, big was, fistfuls of WTF that exactly. were unloaded upon us all. So it was a week ago. So if you watch the show, you have no excuse. If you if you don't watch the show, you're going to watch it someday. This is your chance to turn on the dial. Otherwise, don't be bitching at me about spoilers. All right. Last week, uh, so the fifth Cylon, no fooling. This is your final chance to not listen. I even know the answer to this, and I don't know who it is. Fifth Cylon is... Ellen? Yes, yes. Ellen Ty. Ellen Ty. Mm-hmm. Which they say, by the way, and with the uh, the obligatory clunky, Ellen is the fifth Cylon, <laughs> or whatever that Ty was, says. Was is that a big surprise? Well, he didn't say it as a question. He was just kind of waiting out in the middle of the ocean going... Yeah. yeah, you're the fifth. Because uh, you know, that guy has just some of the best line delivery in the history of the show. <laughs> hey, what has he done? Ship. That guy that plays Ty, what else has he done? Do we know? I, yeah, I saw him in an episode of like the new Twilight He's Zone. He's good, once. man. Yeah, he is good. I'm he, he'll get some work off of this. I got to tell you this right now. They they almost need to make like the Star Blazers film just so he can be Captain Avatar. Oh, that is a great idea. Wild Star! That just is so a great can, idea. In that chair that like lowers down yeah. against the wall just so he can, you know... Oh yeah. my God! Yes, well, that's a, a fantastic to idea. Shut his yeah. fracking mouth. Yeah. So, Paddock and I uh, talked afterward, and I think I think you guys and I we were uh, talk afterwards as well about Ellen. I was like, no, nah, it's a red herring. There's no way she can be the fifth Cylon. But uh, without, uh, I mean, I don't know anything about anything. I'm just yeah, guessing. No, no, she's she's the fifth. There is no way around it. There is no way to explain it as her being an old version There's of another always character. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. She is the fifth. <laughs> she is the fifth Cylon. I know that's disappointing for a lot of people. Yeah. But then again, a lot of people were disappointed by the year in Baltar's hair at the end of season two. A lot of people were disappointed by the reveal of the final four at the end of season three. A lot of people were disappointed with the boxing episode, yeah. which I thought was one of the greatest episodes of the show. No, no, that was kind of a lot of people were disappointed with that. So this show has a, a an uncanny knack of taking things that you might be disappointed in and then making it work anyway. Like, for example, with the boxing episode, that was sort of the wrap-up of the whole D storyline. Mm. And you kind of need... I was like, we don't need D. D is one of the most useless characters. And then well, it turns out you need problem D. Problem solved. Yes, yeah. you need D for the first episode of this back ten. Yeah. Because, I have to, I have because to, she represents some nastiness. Last Friday, though, I do, I do have this. I was talking to uh, I was talking to this listener, Ken, afterward. Yeah. And he made a point that I had been thinking throughout the whole episode, which is that... No, until and there's again another spoiler where, where D uh, caps herself. Yeah. I saw it coming a mile away though because she's a character that doesn't really ever get any screen time. I mean, uh-huh. relatively speaking. Yeah. And the minute that they take a B character and they give her A screen time, yeah. you know that either A she will be revealed as a villain or B that she'll be killed. Right. See, I thought, there's just no way around. It. I thought they were going to reveal her as the fifth, honestly, because the way she was acting. The actress herself is not that great an actress, but she was acting in such a way that something was just strange enough about her that I thought, okay, they're going to make her the fifth. She was sort of acting like uh, Tori was yeah. when she got revealed as the fifth. I mean, she started acting right. strange and, and just... All giddy and... Yeah, yeah. kind of outside of herself. Yeah. And I thought that was the very same thing. Um, and I was sitting next to my girl, and my girl called it like three seconds before it happens. I'm like, no, she's the fifth. And I'm, I'm explaining to her, yeah. she's got to be the fifth. There's no way that... Like, they even put her in the presents before the title came up. Yeah. She's, she's in the recap. What's going on? And like she, she takes the ring off. She sets it on the uh, on the uh, yeah, locker, yeah. and it was right then. 
my girl leans over and goes, she's going to totally dead. Yeah. Well, it's like 90210 and Melrose used to be the worst about this, where they would, and they would have these, tonight, the, you know, a member of the family says goodbye <laughs> yeah. forever. And then it's just like yeah. some guy who was always like, you know, third man from left, but mm -hmm. then this episode, suddenly he's hanging out with Heather Locklear, yeah. you know, for like the first 40 minutes and yeah. <laughs> gone at the end. You know. Um, but uh, but Ken was like, they should have just put a red shirt on her. I mean, come Aww. on. <laughs> so, she was never quite that big. Haddock has this whole thing that when they were down on, on the planet on Earth, that she was finding uh, jacks that were hers from her childhood, and so he believes her to have been one of her. No, yeah. she's not a yeah. she's, she's dead. I, my, I, my, I'm curious about that. When, when they were emptying out the jacks at the end, were those? The, did she have her own jacks, and then she, she then identified with some other kid who had jacks, or did she bring those jacks back from the planet? I, that didn't really explain that. I got my two operating theories, and these are just theories, by the way, about Battlestar. Star Galactica, okay. which uh, you can see the uh, next new episode tonight, 10 o'clock, at the Baghdad, Court and Fatboy. Yeah. Uh, get there early because the line was all the way around the building and then some last time, and yeah. it was damn cold. So uh, my two operating assumptions are, one, that Earth is not the 13th tribe, it's the first tribe, and everybody was, in fact, fleeing Earth, not trying to get to Earth, um, and that they are doomed to repeat it over and over and over again mm. as a sort of karmic purgatory until mm -hmm. they can do it without blowing earth up yeah um and that ties in with mormon theology which uh, you know of mormon theology once you achieve uh, perfection then you ascend mm -hmm. to the next level and you become a god of your own planet yeah and so because the show is so heavily laden with mormon theology i think that they got to do it over and over and over again until they don't nuke everything and once they get it right they transcend uh, and achieve nirvana that, that's a decent theory i think it would uh facilitate the smashing together of the military and the mythological yeah. that, yeah. that has to happen in these last 10 episodes because we're dealing with all kinds of weird stuff like the uh the the opera house visions and yeah. what yeah. the hell starbuck is right now all that, that sort of that's stuff it's gonna be awfully disappointing though if that's the case because that is very matrix yeah well uh and so i think a lot of people are gonna go okay no i it, this, this has ruined the entire thing i'm now done uh, uh, what was the other uh what was the other theory oh my other had? theory by the way the best part about this is watching actually the blankness overtake Sarah's entire face. Well, no, no, it's not total blankness. I'm just deleting my work inbox. Yeah, <laughs> seen her pop her eyebrows up um, once or twice. The uh, uh, it's my fi my final thought on this. My final theory is, and this is less sort of cohesive in my mind than the other one. Because they go to the thing where they go to Earth and they find a bunch of old Cylons and then a bunch of bones, and they determine that the bones are actually Cylon as well. So in other words, everything was a Cylon. My theory is that. Humans didn't create Cylons as slaves. Cylons bred humans as slaves. And the, and the humans actually left Earth to escape enslavement at the hands of the Cylons. So as they say in The Wire, you thought it was one way. It's really not. It's another way. Right. It's that other way. Uh, that, that's entirely possible. That, that's, that's also interesting. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure that it's true. I'm pretty sure the Cylon Holocaust that the Final Five were remembering was at the hands of humans. I'm pretty sure that was humans nuking them. Could yeah, be an uprising. Some point. Yeah. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting. We got, what, nine more episodes to answer this. And this, yeah. and this episode, uh, speaking of uh, B players who once you see them, you know something bad's going to happen, this episode's supposed to be pretty Tom Zarek-centric. And we haven't seen him for a couple I dig of episodes. That guy. Yeah, yeah so, I, no, no. I thought for original, sure he was going to be the yeah. fifth. Yeah, the original Apollo uh, from the the old series uh, yeah, is so, Zarek. So Gata and Zarek and I believe Starbuck have uh, some key roles in tonight's episode. They, they have a lot of wrapping up to do with with Starbuck as well. So yeah. it, what the hell was that all about? Ten o'clock tonight, the Baghdad Battlestar Galactica. It is uh, free. Yes, that's right. It's absolutely free? free. Yes, absolutely free. We yeah, don't that's... charge for for greatness. No, awesome. we don't. Well, that and it's a it's a television show, so if we charge, we'd probably get sued. <laughs> but still, we so don't charge for greatness. But but. 
but you know, because in fact, largely, I mean, it is it's free. So that even more so, get yeah. there early because it's like you know, first yeah. come, first serve. It really is, and it's a fantastic way to watch a show because uh, as the tension builds, uh, especially in this last uh, episode, the tension builds. Everybody sort of sort of starts leaning in, and just mm-hmm. at the height of tension, that's what they hit you with a commercial. So you get to see six hundred people all go, oh, come uh, on. The, by the way, just the very, I'll just say this: the very, very best moment in juxtaposition of content to commercial last time was when. Jesus, I'm trying to think of the moment that preceded. I think it might have been D. It was killing D, yourself. It was D so, shooting herself. So D, you know, this is a very the poignant, sad, very unexpected moment where a major character shoots herself in the goddamned head. The very last and shot then, before going to commercial and then immediately is. They go to a, a shot. They go to an ad for sauceless hot wings. Yes. yes. <laughs> it, it, it's it's uh, her face reflected in a pool of her own blood that is spreading out on the floor, and then within like two frames, it's something called the KFC frack pack. And yeah. somebody at KFC, by the way, hasn't consulted. Uh, uh, no. Their marketing department. No. Yeah. About what that means. No, so. no, no, no. All right, there you go. Court and Fatboy, ladies and gentlemen, rocking at 1K UFO, 3 to 7. All right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. Hello. All right, so here's the thing. I got the uh, worst story in the history of the world nominee. We got greatest songs ever made, Aaron Duran, top five. What do you think we ought to do right now? I'd say worst stories. I guess. Or should we break or should we do that? Maybe worst stories and then break. All right, so, um, all right, well, let me... Uh, well, because I know you have the new one. Yeah. We also have the two old well, we ones. we got to do the runoff. You're right about that. Hold on. Uh, let me find the. Uh, all right. Do you have our music? I'm yeah, I'm queuing it right now. Damn it! All right, so uh, just a little bit, let me uh, just do a little backup here, and then we will do uh, we will do the uh, our hunt for the worst story in the history of the world. Because I guess we have to figure out the victor between these two before we do the other one. Ooh, and then I'll do the uh, and then I'll do the glorious bastard of the week, and then we'll break. Because the glorious bastard Ooh. of the week. <laughs> Ooh, Yanni, the glorious bastard of the week does win. Something unbelievably cool. It is the Star Wars Yoda versus Palpatine pre-painted soft vinyl model kit valued at $175 from Things from Another World. And uh, you can uh, find out more, by the way, it's uh, Things from Another World's website, tfaw.com slash rick. tfaw.com slash rick. Uh, listeners can see all the statues and save 75% on select Star Wars vinyl statues. Listeners can go into any Oregon store location and save 70% off selected Star Wars statues when you tell them that you heard about it on the Rick Emerson uh, radio program. Well, with that so, big whimsical buildup, why don't you just say the glorious bastard now? I'll just do it right now, Sarah. <clears throat> Greetings and salutations, Dane Cook. Not Dane Cook. Dan <laughs> Cook. Sorry. Back up again. It's not Dane. It's oh. Dan. Greetings and salutations, Dan Cook from Portland. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the glorious bastard of the week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including a Star Wars Yoda versus Palpatine pre-painted soft vinyl model kit valued at $175 from things from another world. Find out more at tfaw.com slash rick. You've also won the wonderful knowledge that for at least this one week, you are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, Dan Cook of Portland. You are the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week. If you are not yet a Glorious Bastard, you're missing out. Sign up at 970.am. 970.am. Are we ready? We sure are. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's uh, the way we play our game. Uh, I'm going to read two stories back-to-back. At the end of the second story, and I think we can probably squeeze in the stories and the voting all right here before the break. Yes. 
At the end of the second story, you are to call 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And place your vote for which of these stories is the worst. So we have two stories here. Uh, one is the champion, uh, and uh, one, of course, is the challenger. And so we are looking for you to tell us of these stories... Which is the worst? And you know, I mean, as I say this, the, after hold, on, this. hold on. Now, as I say this, I can't, I can't find the other story. Your insect with, story? With my huge build-up, I actually can't find the insect story. That's not it, right there. No, no, no. It's not. See, I thought so too, but it's not. Wait, hold on a second. Let me look. Oh, right Rick, come on. I know. It seems like the biggest. Get your stuff together, man. Seems like the biggest build-up, and then I actually don't have it. Hold on a second. No, no, no. That's larvae from head. Ew. All right. Hold on. One moment. Hold on. Do you want me to try and find it on the internet? I put it here. Oh, for the love of God! Now I don't know where it is. Now we'll have. Now we actually have to break. We actually can't do it here because I've set it somewhere and I, I can't find it. And it's always in the same place. I don't know why it's not there now. I've managed to lose it altogether. Well, that's wonderful. How do you well, feel, Rick? Well done. Let me see. Let me see if I actually have it right here. Just let me check one other place and see if I can find it. Oh, for the love of God! All right, hold on. Hey, don't ever Google insects eating man alive. Oh no, you don't. Like, what is that? What is that thing you did that time where you um, you were googling like. You were googling something awful. It was like it was like child hidden face or something or children and spiders. All right, I think yeah. I think I've actually got it right here. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Woo. All right, all right, disaster averted, uh, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let me uh, wait and hold on and. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. I just quiet. All right. I wish everyone could see your shirt today. Rick's wearing a Wonder Bread style shirt that says white and nerdy on the front of it. Yes, I am. All right. And just making sure that I've got the whole story. All right. So the second story is the, uh, this is the fetus, the yeah. fetus story. So we'll start with the, the champion, right? All right. Now, I'm sorry. We have to, now we have to break. I just okay. can't. The story's not coming up for some reason. Right. Not for the love of God. We'll do it on the other side. All right. Take a break. We'll come back after this, ladies and gentlemen. We will uh, the face-off for worst story in the history of the world. I'm just waiting for this to, uh, to print. I found another copy. I'm printing it out right now. All right. On the other side, we'll do that. Later on, Aaron Duran uh, with the top five overrated video games of all time and the greatest songs ever made. Stay there, won't you please? Why, hello, ladies and gentlemen. That sound can only mean one thing. What does it mean, Rick Emerson? It's time to resume our search for the worst story in the history of the world. And so we had a tie last time, and I've actually now I've got them both in my hand. So last time we had a tie, which I think is the first time that that has ever transpired. What we will do is we will read the champion story followed by the challenge story. At the end of the second story, you are to call 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Nine seventy at the end of the second story, and tell us which story you believe should be the worst. In fact, let me make two columns right now. Story number one, story number two. All right. So we will read the champion story followed by the challenger. At the end of the second story, you call five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You tell us which story you believe to be more awful. There we go. Story number one and the champion from the sun. A man who lived in his own zoo of lizards and insects was fatally bitten by a pet black widow spider, then eaten by all the other creatures. 
Police broke into Mark Vogel's apartment to find spider Vatina, along with 200 others. Several snakes, a gecko lizard named Helmet, and several thousand termites had gorged on his body. Neighbors alerted police after becoming alarmed by the stink. Horrified officers were met with a nightmare scene. A police spokesman said, It was like a horror movie. His corpse was over the sofa. Giant webs were draped all over him. Spiders were everywhere. They were coming out of his nose and mouth. There was everything one could imagine in a world of reptiles. Larger pieces of his body had been torn off by lizards, scooped up and taken back to the webs of tarantulas and other bird-eating spiders. Hungry termites had eaten large sections of the man's body. Timing. <laughs> Vogel, 30, described as a loner, never invited people back to his jungle home, a small apartment in the German city of Dortmund. Police described the home as a cross between a botanical garden and the butterfly breeding ground in the serial killer movie Silence of the Lambs. One tarantula had built a nest the size of a swallow's in a corner of the ceiling. Vogel also had a boa constrictor and several poisonous frogs from South America. Spider expert and animal cruelty officer Gaby Bayer said that he kept creatures that should never be allowed in a private home. She said he had spiders so aggressive they are the equivalent of a pit bull in the animal world. The reptiles were allowed to roam free in the flat. The heating elements on two tanks containing spiders and their termites had exploded and dislodged the metal tops, allowing them to escape. Vogel is thought to have been dead between 7 and 14 days. Now, do I get to read the challenger? This is my story. If you want to read it, I can. It's up to you. I want to read it. All right. So there you go. That's the champion story. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you story number two, Wait. The Challenger. I've got to start with you. Okay. As read by Sarah X. Dillon, I give you now the challenging story for It's the Worst Story in the History of the World. Ladies and gentlemen, story number two. Doctors discovered a woman complaining of a stomach ache had been carrying her unborn child inside for 60 years. A woman in southern China was told by medics in 1948 that her child had died in the womb. Doctors demanded 100 pounds to remove it, so she walked away. She said, it was a huge sum at the time, more than the whole family earned in several years, so I did nothing and ignored it. But the secret emerged when she hurt her stomach and went to the hospital for a scan. The doctor said, I couldn't believe my eyes when I discovered she had a baby in her belly. Now medics are carrying out further tests to see if she needs an operation to remove the baby. The director of obstetrics and gynecology at the hospital said, Normally a dead fetus would decay. It's very rare that she should be so healthy. Don't you just hate it when kids won't move out? I'm sorry, were you done? Oh, that's so story awesome. number two, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. I wish that I could put the picture into words that accompanies this. It is, in fact, uh, by the way, you can now vote. It's 503-733-2970. Voting now open. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Tell us which story you define to be the worst. Uh, just to recap, man consumed by his own reptile and insect collection. 92-year-old or... woman carrying around a dead fetus in her stomach for 60 years. 503-733-2970. And the photo is really, um, the photo is really quite awful. I mean, that shouldn't enter into it, but I just, I have to make the observation. It, she really is exactly what she sounds like. She is an incredibly old, incredibly wrinkly Asian woman with the pregnancy stomach that you can see because she's hoisting up her shirt. But don't let that influence you. That's just visual evidence. It has nothing to do with the story itself. 
Uh, there you go. Uh, we'll go to the phones and get your votes. It's 503-733-2970. Hello, hi. Which story do you find to be the worst? Uh, number one. I couldn't even hear number two after hearing the first one. <laughs> Thank you. All right. 503-733-2970. This is so much better than talking about Sam Adams. Mm -hmm. uh, hello. Hi. Uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Definitely the woman carrying the baby corpse around with her uh, for uh, the last uh, six decades or so. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Which story do you find to be the worst? Hello. And still champion story number one. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh... Uh, why, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Which story do you find to be the worst? You better watch out or the insects will get you. Right, number I want one. a female to call. Right. By the way, uh, you should set some sort of a timer, Sarah, so I'm not accused of rigging anything. You should decide how I much longer we're going to win. Vote. I'm just okay, saying. I don't really want to hear the dead fetus story anymore. Yes, you anyway. do. Let's just say another 60 seconds. Okay. Um, now. Okay. I, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Number one. All right, thank you. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst? Number one. All right. There you go. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. That was a woman, by the way, voting for me. I heard her. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Well, I think the first one's the worst, uh, but actually they're both great stories. I don't think Stephen King could do that good. So you, but technically, this is a vote for story number one. Story number one. I've heard number two before, like several years ago. Uh, well, perhaps it's one of those things that happens more often than you might think. I guess. Uh, like quadruplets. All right, thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Uh, hi, Rick. I voted for number one when it was there way back in the day. I voted for number two last week because I thought it was uh, weird. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like your logic of <laughs> it took her this long. I guess she was okay with it. So, uh <laughs> I'm going to go with number one. All right, there we go. Back to number one. All right, thank you, sir. All right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. That doesn't count as a vote, nor was it heard. Hi. Yes, but then he followed it with an inappropriate word. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. At one word. Fighters. All right, thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? See the story. Feed a story. That's it. All right, that it. Are we done? Yeah. All right, Did ladies I get and one? gentlemen. Uh, you got two. Okay. Uh, so, uh, winner and still champion, man devoured by his own insect and reptile collection. All right, thank you, everybody who voted. Uh, if you are on hold right now, we are going to move forward from the voting uh, portion of the program. So, uh, thank you so much, everybody who voted. Uh, yes, winner and still champion. So, well, you know what that means is, though, I can take this next story. We'll do this next week. Okay. We're a story contender. That means now that the insect story can face off against this story right here. And how, I you, how confident do you feel about the new story? Uh, the new story, I don't, I don't, I don't want to bias people. I'll say that this is, all, this is all I'll give away about the new story. It does contain, because one of the people in the story, his name is Butts, B-U-T-T-S. So it does contain the phrase, only Butts became sick. So really that's, I mean, it's got amusement value of nothing else. Uh, I'll put that right here. And uh, back in the pile, everything goes. All right, where's the fetus story? I'll put this over here. And Aaron is here. Yes, Aaron is here. All right, there we go. All right, fantastic. It's uh, 503-733-2970. And, in fact, uh, Aaron Durand, you want to uh, join us in the studio now? Uh, if you would like to uh, walk down the hallway, we'll talk to Aaron. We'll get sort of an overview about what we're going to be uh, talking about in the uh, Aaron Duran segment of the program. We'll talk about his top five, which is coming up as well, and uh, so forth. Later on, we still got an installment of uh, the greatest songs ever made and whatnot. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. How can I help you today? Hello. 
Hello, hi. I'm looking into your soul right now, and Rick. I'm seeing all of your secret private thoughts. Let go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. I wonder if this guy will ever realize that he's on Hello, hi. Hi. Hi, how can I help you? You're already done voting, but I really appreciate the comment on the second story. Ah, uh, well, it's... The kid's not moving out. Trying to amuse. It's never let it be said that Rick Emerson can't bring a ray of sunshine into even the grimmest news story. That's right. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, one more, uh, and then we'll uh, talk to Aaron Duran. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I hear Portland lowered its uh, drinking age. Wait a minute. I think I might know where you're going with this comment. Is this going to be a wacky jape about Sam Adams? See, see if you could, ju if you had taken the, the oh, clean way, wrong. then I could have. No, no, you, you don't even get the full rim shot. Make a joke out of that, huh? All right, five zero three seven. See, see how I did that without being disgusting? You hideous pig of a human. All right. <laughs> Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You hideous pig of a human. Welcome now to the uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson <laughs> oh, show. You make me proud. I like disproportionate. Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> I like disproportionate responses to things. Uh, all right, Aaron Duran joining us now in the studio. I'll uh, rustle up your uh, geek music here and. Just a second. There we go. All right. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I gotta say, now listen. I hate to keep harping on this. You, this, this facial hair decision of yours is a good one. I think You're so too. Yeah. His beard. I, you know, it, love my beard. I, I <laughs> stroke it, kiss it. It's gone really, really well. Don't turn it into a horrible creepy. Thing. No, I think I wasn't sure. Like how it would play off. I think it's your new look. I think that's that I'm is. I'm sticking with this for a good long while. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, so if you, if you don't know, so here's what Aaron Duran has done. So you have uh, you've gone to the full the Lex, full chickless shaving of the head. I call it the Lex Luthor. The Lex Luthor. Yeah. You got the very the, the glasses with the, the big prominent frames. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got the the beard mustache the, the whatever you know the, the facial hair thing going on. Yeah, I kind of I've, I've been told that I either look like a uh, like an Oxford professor. Or an old school Bond villain. No, I could see that, or maybe like an Avery Brooks uh, kind of a thing. Oh, almost going on. Oh, you're speaking my language. I'm there. just saying, like we he all know that the cool. He is. I don't want to get say it. That's say it. That's a list. Say it. He's the most badass of the captains. You know it's true. Yeah. I mean that's the thing, right? I mean, like as soon as he became Hawk, like you know, Picard probably the smartest. Shatner, probably you know the most. You know, I mean, look, he's Shatner. I mean, you know, Kirk is. He's is, a, he's a, he's gone beyond. He is the Shat. I mean, his, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> Shatner is sort of like the thing about Kirk is, I mean, the, the, with Kirk you almost can't even compare him to the others because he broke the mold. Like it's like his, you know what it is? It's like his, uh, it's like his uh, jersey is just hanging in the rafters. Yeah, you retired the number. It's like Spock has become the Metatron because we can't talk to the Kirk directly anymore. Otherwise, our heads will explode. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying, you're making it work. I'm Thank you. I, I'm, yeah, I'm grooving it. All right. Um, so, will you be at uh, Battlestar Galactica tonight? Absolutely. All right. So, by the just just one second, we won't make it into a whole big nerd fest again. Uh, but so, uh, we'll be, some spoilers here, just for the next for the next minute or so, uh, starting. Yeah. Now, so uh, so what are your what are your thoughts on the on the Ellen Ty real fifth silent or not? Well, I mean, I think it's the real fifth silent. I don't see them pulling that big of a like ta da, you know, on us. Um, but I ain't happy with. Her is the fifth Cylon. Just because it because it seems like a cop out, or I, I just you know I don't know where they're gonna go with it, and, and it doesn't help, and it's not helped by the fact that I couldn't stand her character. That's see, that's my thing. I didn't too. like the actress. I didn't think she was very good. I she I was badly written. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, sometimes there's a character that is just not done well. And I find it, I hate to say this, it makes me sound like an awful person, but really just one of the happiest days of, uh, you know, in my life as I watched her, that show was the day that she died. Yeah. The, day that, the day that character was killed, it was just as a watcher of Battlestar Galactic, it was sort of like, a, ah, I don't have to see that, I don't have to see this terrible writing and acting on the screen anymore. Yeah. So, so yeah, no. when I heard that, I was like, eh. Now we're kind of That's how I felt when Dokes died in Dexter. Oh, totally, yeah. I, was I mean, like, thank God. Yeah, no, I mean, that's another thing where it's the character Your is point just. watching that episode, I guess. I. Oh. I guess I'll move on. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. You know, I don't mind so much. That's that was Sarah I'm, who did that. No, that's what I'm going to have to Netflix and power through. Here's the so. thing about Dexter. But it's a, but you don't even really need to know. It's not really necessary to the story that he. Yeah, I've had to know that fact. It's, it's I've not, had I mean, even Dexter spoiled, spoiled the, the, to me, so. See, and, and I, I don't know if I, I forget we talked about this on the air or if it was off the air, maybe both. I do watch that show. I've seen every episode of Dexter. I watch it, I guess, religiously in the sense that as soon as it comes out, you know, as soon as I have time, I watch it. Yeah. Um, I don't schedule my life around it, but I watch it as soon as I can. I mean, I, I don't ever miss it. But it's just not very good. That's the thing. Like, this is, and don't, and look. Oh, I, I love it because it's pulpy and no, it's army and it's. Like in, a little soap opera. Exactly. It's the cheesy Mac of serial killers. Exactly. I don't get... I, I, I like the show. I really do. It's just terribly done. I mean, I can, I can, I can realize that now. I can admit that as a fan of Dexter, that it's just bad television, but I do enjoy it's it. It's like the whole bag of, like, Cool Ranch. You polish it off, you look down the bottom of the dust, you think, what have I done? <laughs> Seriously. Like, is this what I have become? Dear God. Um, the, the thing about Dexter is... I mean, it is it is just the very definition of just deus ex machina, where they will write themselves into a corner, and then suddenly, and out of nowhere comes a thing that you never heard of before to resolve the entire plot <laughs> oh, magically. So and, it's the and, Voyager of serial and killers. And it's just well, okay. Let me just dive in a little further here before we before we move on. Here's the other. Here's my, my three things about Dexter. No, I'm sorry. Four things about Dexter. One. Let's talk specifics for a moment. And again, these are all spoilers, so, you know, if you're listening after now, that is that is on you, friend. End of season two, and Sarah and I had lots of discussions about that character of Lily, Lila, whatever her Lila. name was. The stupid, oh, the, Lila. Another character, and I, I don't... won't tell you what happens with Lila. And it I don't care anymore. And I mean, I'll still watch it, but it's, <laughs> you know... crush your spirit, I'm sorry. No, no, because from what I get, it's not like a show that... It's not like if someone were to spoil Battlestar, I'd be feared. Well, that's but... the thing, like, and I, I say, when Dexter's on... I don't even pause it now. Like, if I have to go to the bathroom and go to the kitchen or something or take the dog out, I'll just leave it run. You yeah. know what I mean? If I miss five minutes, what, what do I care? Um, but there's this character, Lila, and I'll just say it right now. If you're still listening, I warned you. So at the end of season two, <laughs> Lila, brilliant. she kind of escapes, and then she ends up, she, you know, because the she show takes place kill, in, in um, California. Um, what's, the, what's the wife's name? Uh, I don't His know. His girlfriend's Rita, kid, Rita. basically. He tries to kill Rita. So she, she tries to kill Rita's kids. So she's a villain, and at the end of season two, uh, there's like a big fire and whatever, and she escapes. And the show takes place in in, uh, in Miami, but she escapes to Paris at the end. And so the final scene of season two is like she's in her Paris, uh, you know, uh, apartment or hotel room, or whatever. Which is what, and she comes, she walks in the front door. I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> the show abruptly cuts to Paris, like one year later or something. Yeah. And she's walking in the front door of her Parisian flat, and she's checking her mail. And, of course, there's a bunch of postcards in the mail that aren't signed. And they all say <laughs> creepy things like, you know, look behind you. And then she looks behind they you. They do not. They, they say something tantalizing. All right. They're, if, they're, you, if you are trying to be accurate, there's one postcard in her mail, and she flips it over, and there's a picture of Dokes on the back of it. 
There's a picture of Dokes, like, where there should have been writing. Um, but it's clearly, but it's a postcard that is me- she's meant to find. Yeah. At I mean, the, yeah, it's a picture of the guy who died. And then at that moment, at that moment, from out of nowhere, Dexter, Michael C. Hall, yeah. comes up from behind her in the shadows of her apartment and kills her. And at no point do they ever say, like, first of all, how did that happen? That, like, the postcard arrives on the same day? And how did he get to goddamned Paris? And why does no one say, hey, Dexter's been gone for a long time. He said he was going to lunch. Meanwhile, he's in Paris, where he clearly... Which is a pretty far trip from Florida. And, if yeah. you, and of course, the and character... And you can track passports and blah, blah, blah. You can track passports. You can track ticketing. And at, we know this about the character of Dexter... That he's very, what is he, what, what is he, he's very meticulous. He plans everything. He, if he's going to kill you, he plots your routine. He finds out what time you leave the house, what time you go to work, what gym you go to, where your restaurants are. And he will, he will follow your pattern for like three, four weeks. So he is assured of getting you alone where there's not going to be loved ones, friends, cops, anything around. And yet, somehow, magically, he's able to go to Paris, do all of this, kill her, and then presumably get home. Nobody ever says like... I don't know. He was just he was just here. Uh, I think he's gone. Maybe to Paris. I mean, they, it's just like done without any explanation at all. So that is emblematic of what makes Dexter a badly done show. That being said, I continue to watch it every single episode, and, and I continue to watch it. Also, something that kind of got lost in this whole rush of news over the last few weeks. You know that they got married, right? Dexter and the chick that plays I his sister. I just saw that in a People magazine. I cannot mm. believe that. Dexter and the the chick who plays Deb, his sister. Who's really annoying. Like she's starting to grate on me more and more. Because she's badly written. Yeah. yeah. He'll have to kill her someday. No, I don't think the it's act, the characters, not um. I anyway. I don't think she's, it's just the way she speaks. Well, she's like got her. Her personality, I think, not not so much what she says. Her but delivery. Like, yeah, and how crazy, like obnoxious she gets. Well, that's the other thing about Dexter is that it's, and again, I I, I watch it, but all the characters, I think, with the exception of Dexter himself, all the characters are so badly overwritten. I mean, everyone is just a series of stereotypes and cliches and and bad, like awkward exposition, and like there's this whole business in the third season where Angel Batista, who I quite like, where he. Like, it's one of those things that just comes out of nowhere because the, the, the screenwriters clearly needed it to happen. So Angel Batista is a stand-up guy, the very definition of virtue. He's a good cop. And That's a, the Jimmy Smith's character? Yeah, no, no, no. It's, oh. it's, no, he's a kind of a heavyset guy. Mm. He's the very definition of a good cop, you know, and, and they do it in a believable way. It's not corny. And yet, suddenly out of the blue, hey, here's Angel Batista trolling for hookers late at night. And they he gets busted trolling for hookers. Because the hooker he propositions is, of course, a cop. That's the last episode that I watched. But then they end up dating, so it's okay. She's like, I watch, you know, pass on this sheriff or whatever she says. Yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. And so, but then, so what what would you do if your angel, let's say you're a cop, and you're out there and you're trolling for whores, even though, like, it's never been indicated that you would ever do anything like that. You're out there looking for whores, and then it turns out she's a cop because she shows you her badge and she says, you know, like, keep moving, officer, before I have to bust you. You know, I don't want to bust a colleague. What would you immediately do? Why, if you picked send her flowers and ask her out on a date, you'd be correct, and you're qualified to write Dexter. Oh. So so that's a perfect example of, you know, why I am sort of, you know, why I feel like I can sort of make these criticisms, because I watch the stupid show anyway. Uh, doesn't matter, because we're between seasons. All right. Hey, you have a top five you brought in. Yes, I do. 
All right. Very exciting. All right. Stuff. Well, do you want to take a break, Sarah? We'll get Why caught don't up. We take a break. Come on, we'll take a break. Mad. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Duran will return with today's top five top five overrated video games. Um, we have a couple zombie questions from the audience that we'll try to address as well. Stay there. It's the Rick. Emer- it's like all Pantera Day. It's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, and by the way, in the kitchen, uh, just a few moments ago, this is the nerdiest conversation. What? Why are you going to bring this up? Turned inexplicably angry. So, Aaron, Geek in the City, Duran is here. Uh, in a moment, we'll talk about CBS Radio Theater, uh, which is going to be returning to the airwaves this coming Sunday, Ooh. ladies and gentlemen, this coming Sunday, the 25th, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., immediately preceding Musicology with Adam uh, Thompson and Kristen Bowie. Um... And, of course, CBS Radio Theater, we'll talk more, more about it, but it is a, a live hour of radio drama. Back-to-back episodes of two exciting, thrill-packed series. One, AZ, which is a uh, it takes place in modern-day Portland, but after the zombie apocalypse. And uh, the other, The Adventures of the Crimson Mist, which takes place in 1943 Portland. And is a sort of an old-school retro superhero drama. Uh, all of them uh, written by, directed by, uh, starring, voice talents contributed by a whole bunch of Portland luminaries, including, by the way, our good friend Mailman Chris, who I forgot to mention in my blog posting. And, oh, that's right. Yeah, he's in, yeah. And can I give away also uh, a special long distance uh, acting gig? Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. And our good friend, the Low, uh, uh, alias Keelan, uh, is going to be uh, performing in it as well. He as has a, he has a special role. Yeah, playing a, a man in Las Vegas. Can I say that? Yeah. All right. So there you go. Stop <laughs> saying things in the napkins. You can say them. No. Okay. You're Sorry. the executive producer. One might no. Well, I just, I'm sorry, I didn't even, I didn't even know. Anyway, so, uh, because I forgot to put those guys in the web posting, and so I wanted to sort of make it all right, but the, the whole bunch of folks. Oh, yeah. And the, the complete, obviously, casting, cre- uh, casting credits Obviously, will be heard. the shows keep getting bigger. I need to scale them back a it's, little bit. <laughs> I have to tell you, really, and I know that, like, I got a vested interest in everybody listening, because, you know, blah, 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 work here, blah, blah, blah. It's... I, I really... I have to just, just, just say that if you did not hear... Uh, the first installment of CBS Radio Theater, which was Sunday, December 7th. And at the time, you know, I'm going to say it was a one-off as such, but it was kind of a half experiment in that I don't, you know, we were unsure about, pardon me, about how it would all work because I know that everybody did it back then, but it, excuse me, Jeez. Sorry. <laughs> but it is tricky. Logistically, it's very difficult. You're doing... A live hour of radio, I don't know that we do four hours of live radio, but it's different when you're trying to do a script, sound effects, music cues, yeah. trying to, you know, everybody's trying to stay in character, you're trying to time it out correctly, and where everything is, you know, here, if I sort of, you know, cough or whatever, you know, it, it, you sort of roll with it, but a radio drama is an entirely different creature, and to hear it done on December 7th was just to hear just, just glory in its purest form. It was just, it was so freaking good. Oh. And it is online. You can hear it at 970.am. You can actually download it. You can stream it right there off the website. Um, Adventures of the Crimson Mist was wonderful. It was like this old school superhero thing that was, was big and loud. And, and you know, and this sounds weird, but for the radio, it sounds weird, I guess. But it was sort of painted in primary colors, meaning it was very much of the old style of radio superhero drama. It was a lot of, beware, evildoers, for the Crimson Mist shall be your undoing, and all of that. And then AZ was 
It was entertainment, entertaining, but very you know dark, very grim, yeah. and just so well done. And there is um, there's a moment, and if you haven't listened to it yet, I, I won't spoil it. But there is a moment in that first episode of AZ, which again you can listen to uh, at 970. AM. There's a moment about I don't know, like halfway through or something like that. Where there's sort of, you know, it's zombies, so it's not a big surprise, but you know, sort of an attack happens, they're sort of besieged by zombies. And I was sitting in my office when it, when it, when it broadcast, and I had been down here in the studio like an hour before, just sort of like making sure everything was going to work, and I'd seen you guys, and, and frankly, I'd seen the script like weeks before, and I'd heard the rehearsals of it. And again, I'm like 15 feet away in my office. Like, I know it's just like a fake ass <laughs> radio program coming from this studio where I sit and talk about, uh, you know, uh, penises in Brittany. And that so there's like five of us going, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's, I, I know it's not real. I'm listening though, and I swear, I get chills just thinking about it. It creeped me out, and I went, it was so creepy and so well done. I went back and I listened back to it, I think, twice more. Uh, and I listened to the whole show. And just the Crimson Mist is great and thrilling. And then that AZ thing with the zombies is just horrifying and entertaining in the best possible mixture of those two things. That being said, this coming Sunday, it returns. And yes, it will it be every other Sunday from yep. now on. Beginning yeah. this Sunday, every other Sunday from 6 to 7, CBS Radio Theater. Tell us about uh, what's coming up this Sunday, Aaron. Uh, this Sunday, with the adventures of the Crimson Mist, uh, he needs to solve the case of the Copper Cobra. Uh, basically, all the orphans of Portland, Oregon, have gone missing, and it's up to the Crimson Mist to find out why and stop the Copper Cobra before his nefarious plan. Fantastic. And then uh, in the second episode of AZ, uh, it's titled "The Last Broadcaster," and it goes. It's kind of a prequel to what you heard, you know, back in December. Um, the Last Broadcaster, uh, quite literally. It's one radio station that documents the fall of Portland. And so this is sort of, if you if, if people heard the, the, the first episode of AZ and then again after the zombie apocalypse, this is at least one perspective on the actual... The actual you know, event. Yeah, yeah, the actual event again where the, where the city falls to the undead. Yeah, so uh, what we did to the Goodwill, because uh, I, I got a lot of emails about people saying, I can't shop at Goodwill anymore. Right. Um, I'm going to apologize now to all the overnight board ops that work in this station. Because we should say that it is radio, <laughs> it's radio-centric. It's radio Yeah. Uh, not a secret, because it's called The Last Broadcaster. So that is the new episode of AZ uh, and the new episode of The Crimson Mist. This coming Sunday, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., CBS Radio Theater. And as of this Sunday, every other Sunday, it'll be uh, preceding Musicology. Sweet. Is, uh, it's just, it really is quite something. Um, just So as a side note here. I'm going to do two things that are zombie-related, and then we might do the top five right before the break. We might break into the top five. That'll kind of be uh, Sarah's call, but I got, I got two things to say. One, in the kitchen just now, the, 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 like this verbal nerd slap fight just happened in the kitchen, and I think Sarah missed part of this. I think I did. So Battlestar Galactica last week had this graffiti at one point. Because they so they went to Earth and then it's all nuclear and radioactive and they can't stay there, and so there's you know they have their own lingo and their own profanity and whatever. So at one point in last week's Battlestar Galactica, there's just uh, some graffiti on the wall that says "Frack Earth," <laughs> which was sort of great and bleakly hilarious. Aaron went home and literally like three hours later at geekinthecity.com, you could buy a T-shirt that said <laughs> "Frack Earth" or and a button or a magnet or a sticker. And I did. I bought it like the. Was that the first one? Uh, yeah, because you told me as soon as you posted, tell me. So at 12:30 in the morning, I send you a text. Uh, dude, Frack Earth is up, and, and you know, cafepress.com forward slash geek in the city. And uh, the next day, I check my email. It says you've made a sale. And it, you uh, know, me, Rick Emerson, 1:12 a.m. I bought it the <laughs> instant it became available. And you know what? I got it in the mail yesterday, and it's righteous. Thank you. So, but Paddock bought the shirt. I have the shirt. Mine came in today. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got the shirt. And so I was going to wear my Battlestar Galactica shirt 
Oh, God, we sound like we're 12. I was going to wear my Battlestar Galactica shirt to Jonathan Colton tomorrow. You know, kind of like, hey, like, look at this cool, geeky thing I have. And then Aaron, in the kitchen during the break, (laughs) flat out forbids me from wearing my Battlestar Galactica shirt to Jonathan Colton. Wait for it, because... Because we all have to wear it. Because we all have to wear them at the same time next Friday. Because that's where Mark Verhaden's going to be, the, the producer. You and have I, never sounded more nerdy. It's like all of a sudden you became the booby doctor. And I said, he's going to think we're awesome. And I said, okay, well, look, you know, I can, Aaron, I can wear the shirt to Jonathan Colton tomorrow and then, you know, wash it and wear it again. <laughs> no, we all have to wear them for, at the same time, the first time next Friday at Battlestar Galactica. So I've been forbidden to wear my Battlestar no, Galactica shirts. Don't, don't be a baby. No, wear it. Because Aaron is demanding that we all like wear them and then walk in formation or something <laughs> into the theater. That is the nerdiest thing I have ever heard. I'm just sitting here. So, look, here's the deal. Are you going to like be singing the theme song or something when you walk You're in? You're going to be walking in fake slow motion toward, toward him. Oh, that'd be awesome. We so, told you. so here's and what I'm going to do. And we should light cigars. Just FYI. So tomorrow, I will not wear my Battlestar Galactica shirt to Jonathan Colton. I will wear my Left for Dead shirt. Uh, tomorrow, which will which will work because it's zombies. <gasps> you know what? Here's the thing. I'm doing Jonathan Colton a favor because in the interview yesterday he hasn't seen these episodes yet. Right. So you would be wearing a spoiler. Yeah, I suppose. You'd be a walking spoiler. So I'm gonna wear my Left for Dead shirt to Jonathan Colton tomorrow, and then I will wear my Battlestar Galactica shirt next Friday. <laughs> you colossal tool. Jesus. I have um, no defense against that. I mean, what am I going to say? Like, no. My final note here, and then, uh, Sarah, should we break after yeah. this? All right. So my final note, and because we had somebody email us yesterday, and they were like, uh, or I think it might have been Wednesday, saying, like, I'm not, so I'm just getting into the zombie thing. Is there a definitive zombie text that will explain how they behave, how they operate, whatever? And we all kind of agreed, maybe start with the zombie survival guide in terms yeah. of literature, and then Night of the Living Dead, World War Z, whatever. I do have to say this. I just have to tell this one brief story. So when Lara and I were in, uh, we were in Utah, we were at the airport, and we heard a TSA guy having this discussion with his coworker. It's not actually securing or, you know, guarding anything. So the two TSA guys having a discussion, and it was a guy and a woman. They're both, I would say, mid twenties to late twenties. And the guy had had a huge argument with his wife, and I heard him say, "Blah blah 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 blah, armies of the undead." Blah 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 blah. And I did that really rude thing of I stopped and I said, excuse me, sir, are you having an argument about zombies? This is an entirely true story. And that's Larry. This has happened exactly as I will tell you. And it turns out that the guy, he's like, I guess, 20, 26, I would guess. His wife, who was not there, also works at the airport. They are a couple. They both work at the airport. That's kind of the, the backstory. That's all the backstory you need. He had a dream that there was a zombie apocalypse, of course. Yeah. And you know how sometimes in a dream you just sort of know things? Like you haven't seen it, you just kind of know it inherently. Yeah. So he had this dream that there was a zombie apocalypse. And he also somehow in the dream knew that his wife was at the airport and the airport had been overrun by zombies. So in the dream, what does he do? He packs up their kid. They just had a baby. He packs up the baby, gets in the Jeep, heads for the hills. Good for him. He tells his wife this when he wakes up. He's like, honey, I had this dream that you were working at the airport and it was overrun by zombies. And so I had to grab, uh, you know, uh, uh, I had to grab, uh, you know, like Tyler and, and get out of here. I had to get in the Jeep and run to the mountains. Had to get past the frost line. And the, the wife freaks out at him, demanding to know why he wouldn't have come to the airport to save her from the zombie apocalypse. And he says... Well, you, but you'd probably been bitten. And like, as he was telling me this in real life, he said that in real this life, like an argument you and Lara would get into. In real life, yes, his wife wouldn't talk to him for the rest of the day because in a dream, 
He left with the baby. And he's like, baby, I was I was trying to protect our kid. And she's like, screw that. You should have come to the airport to save me for the zombies. So, which is, as Sarah just said, an unpleasant uh, sort of reminder of an argument that Laura and I had one time when I took that quiz online. How likely are you to survive a zombie apocalypse? And I scored really high yeah. because one of the questions is, your loved one, you know, your significant other is bitten by a zombie. Do you? And I'm like, shoot, shoot in, the in the head. Exactly. And Lars like, you wouldn't wait to cure me? I'm like, there is no cure. No. The cure is a bullet, baby. Yeah. That's it. That's how you cure the Jen infection. And I, Jen and I have Some had things you just shouldn't say out loud. You, like, you, you guys are both lucky to be married. You shouldn't say this stuff. Look, my wife and I, we've had this discussion, and she said, would you, would you do me in if you had to? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the I only way. I said, fight now, cry later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's take a break. We'll come back with Aaron Duran's list of the top five overrated video games. Hi. Hi, grab Star's hammer <laughs> by the sons of Warvan. I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Saddest part of the broadcasting day. Final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't forget, tomorrow, Car and Driver Radio 6 to 9, Dennis Pitsenbarger's Miles Around, 9 to noon, uh, which can also be seen on Comcast Sports Network. Uh, 1.9 million households. Uh, Sunday, uh, the return of CBS Radio Theater featuring AZ and The Adventures of the Crimson Mist, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., followed by Musicology with Kristen Bowie and Adam Thompson, 7 p.m. To 9 p.m. Guest, uh, guest starring myself and Fatboy. On Musicology? Yeah, I think we're doing a whole video game music segment. Excellent. Yeah. Good for you. Um, I, I guess Kristen was trying to get uh, Adam to to appreciate Jonathan Colton, and I think he was just not... Ain't happening. He was not getting it at all. I was like silicon, or no, like sil no, Teflon. It's like Teflon, just right out of his brain. He he was trying to get it, and he just couldn't He couldn't quite grasp the Well, edge. Jonathan Colton, yeah, you either get him or you don't. Yeah, I mean, there's no... Yeah. Well, you know. okay. All right. I don't see how you couldn't like him, though. He's just, you know, he really is a, he really is quite something. Uh, and that is tomorrow night, by the way, at the 11. All right, this is the top five. Uh, would you like to give any preamble here? This is, uh, no, it's the top five, uh, top five most overrated video games. All right, ladies uh, and gentlemen. I didn't, you know. Four, three, two, Overrated? One, yeah. Five. Games that everybody says are just the greatest game ever or whatever. So you're mocking fellow geeks. No, I just, you know, they're not as good as... People claim these are the five games and an honorable mention that you believe to have a disproportionate amount of praise. Yes, not just they are all actually very good games, but not as good as they deserve to be. Okay, all right. yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, Aaron Duran counts down the top five overrated video games of all time. <sighs> okay, at honorable mention from the N64, Super Mario 64. Which I don't really know much about. I can't really speak to much on the Nintendo 64. Uh, the, the, big, the big thing about Super Mario 64, it was the first time that really any of the next-gen games successfully incorporated like 3D gaming. It wasn't a side-scroller. It wasn't a top shooter or whatever. It was a real you know, 3D interactive world. And it was, you know, pretty groundbreaking from its time, but not as great as people, you know, claimed that it was. It, I mean, the only thing it really broke was the ability to do it in a 3D environment. Right. 
uh, other Mario games came out with the N64 that were um, vastly superior to uh, Mario 64. And all I really know about the Nintendo 64 is that it had that GoldenEye game. Yeah, which uh, I had a, I knew a guy who was really, really into that. Yeah, so, um, you know, like to say, I mean, it's still a great game. I, it doesn't deserve the, the mass amounts of praise that it still receives by people that look back and like, yeah, that's the one. Well, Nintendo gets a little bit of that golden uh, glow, though, with anything. I mean, they get kind of that aura uh, put on them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people kind of feel that a Mario and Zelda game can never do no wrong. Right. Can never do wrong. But for the most part, they can't. Here's the top five overrated video games in the assessment of Aaron Duran. <laughs> At number five... Battletoads. Battletoads was a game that came out basically riding the coattails of the popularity of the um, Double Dragon and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade to home to home system ports. Um, it had terrible graphics, not terrible graphics, but graphics that weren't as good as the Ninja Turtles game. Its controls were not that great. All of this was masked over by the fact that it's probably considered the hardest game in the world to beat. So I think people have... Um, Connected hard to beat with fantastic game. Right, right. It's a bad game. It's Some just th- a bad, bad game. <laughs> <laughs> not like you just cut. You just cut right to the chase there. Yeah, no, it's just not any fun. I mean, if you want to play an amphibious kung fu fighting thing, go buy Teenage Mutant Turtles and be Donatello because he's the best turtle. Moving on, Aaron Duran's top five <laughs> overrated video games of all time. All right, at number number four, <laughs> number. Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. You really are aging in reverse, by the way, through, through your entire appearance on today's program. Eventually, you're just going to be shaking like a Klingon rattle. With a beard? Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Metal Gear Solid 2. And I have to uh, confess, Metal Gear Solid, like that whole franchise... Yeah. Is one of those things that I always read about, and I really don't, I know, like, zero about it. I know nothing about it. It's just that I see it referenced everywhere. Yeah, I mean, the games themselves were pretty groundbreaking, and it was like the first game that you were encouraged to not necessarily always kill the enemy. You were encouraged to sneak around and use the environment to your advantage. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 really did push the envelope, technologically speaking, for the PS2, um, but that doesn't change the fact that it's tedious and boring and you play one of the lamest characters ever created within the Metal Gear Solid world. You don't actually play Solid Snake very often. The main Solid character the Snake, really? Yeah. You play a guy named Raiden, who's this Femi Robo Ninja looking dude that no one cared about. <laughs> and the game is Femi Robo Ninja. <laughs> the game is just terrible. This Look, is I played through it, man. Anyone calls me on this? I have played every single game on this list, beaten the ones that are beatable, I guess. So, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 does not deserve the accolades that it receives. His name is Solid Snake? It's a code name, yeah. It's a, there's Liquid Snake and Solid Snake. And, there's a guy named Revolver Ocelot. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> he does walk around in a cardboard box, which is kind of funny. Solid Snake and Liquid Snake. Yeah. Sounds like a plumbing product. They were separated at birth and genetically altered to be perfect killing machines. Really? Is that true? One is evil, one is good. You know, here's the thing. I don't even. I don't even know that I could really describe what Metal 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 Gear Solid even really looks like. But for some reason in my head, when I picture it, it looks a lot like Bionic Commando. Uh, Which is where the guy has the big extendo <laughs> arm, and it's probably nothing at all what the it, game is like. Yeah. Every time I would read like a description, I'm playing Metal Gear Solid 2, I would always picture Bionic Commando, where the guy has the arm that can reach up to a branch so he can swing across a ravine or yeah. something. All right. These are uh, Aaron Duran's top five overrated video games. At number three, Dead or Alive. A rather, um, you know, mid to late coming uh, entry in the 3D fighting game, you know, a la Tekken or Virtua Fighter. Dead or Alive is a terrible, stupid fighting game. It is only popular because it was the first game that in the options menu, pubescent boys could activate the booby movement feature. It was the first game that had, quote, 
moving real boobs? life physics breast movement. There how wasn't do boobs move. I have them and I well, don't understand. I almost said it. Well, no, jump up and down. That's how they move. So you can control how much they move when yes, they jump? Yes, that's exactly what you do. But it wasn't actually called booby movement. It was called breast movement. Are you kidding me? No, if you look at the menu on Dead or Alive in the options menu, unless they've changed them in the recent games, the original version has something called breast movement. And little 12-year-old dudes like nothing more than to get one of the women in a chokehold with the character and then continually give her a full Nelson so that there was much heaving, at which the same time she's going, ah, ah. So, um, yeah. I guess my question is, why would that feature ever be, like... Like, who would think of, like, why? I don't know. Well, and I would think of, why does there even need to be an option for turning it off or on? <laughs> I mean, seriously, if you're marketing to teenage boys, why even oh, I, Why even give them the... Why? That's like building in a feature no one needs. That's a good point. But you know what? Try imagining being the, uh, the head of electronics department at Walmart when this game comes out. Oh, you're trying to pitch it to parents? And having a flood of mothers come in. My son was bragging about that her woman's... Her feminine parts move. This is a children's Well, ma'am, you can turn the breast movement off. I had to explain that. I actually had to walk parents through the options menu and show them how to turn off boobs. You know, here, let me just say this. I know the risk of sounding creepy, but I, I do have to say this. I remember being a, a younger person. I don't know how old. I was probably like 20, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. When that game Cruising USA came out, the arcade, the sit-down arcade driving game. Because the real reason you wanted first place was? Because at the end of Cruising USA, if you're victorious, uh, when it had not photorealistic but almost photorealistic graphics, this really stacked woman in a bikini would come out of the finish line and she would hold a trophy out to you. But here's the thing. She would constantly be like pushing the trophy out and then like pulling it back a little and pushing it out. And as she would do so, her arms would like smash her bosoms together. And really, that was the reason you wanted to win first place. Because like there was breast moving action. Men are stupid. That we really were just... I am a pig of a human. Uh, Aaron Durant's All right. top five Here's overrated video games. Nuts. At number two, Halo. Now, listen... Are you talking about Halo or Halo 2? Halo. Or Halo 3? No, see, that's just wrong. That's not... Really? The entire Halo series. I'm a first-person shooter. They are vastly overrated. I will grant you that Halo 3, in my opinion, isn't all that, all that great, relatively speaking. Because there's just no... The problem with the Halo series is there's no evolution. Well, that's the thing. With the Halo series, it's... Like so many Microsoft-backed products, it is the plug-and-play of first-person shooters. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an entertaining game. But they have... Microsoft, you know, and Bungie, they have so much in the way of resources, and they just don't do much with it. The game never really expands to be anything other than what it is. The first Halo, in my opinion, has really great gunplay. Halo 2 had an interesting story. Halo 3 is just sort of a retread. It's just more of the same. But, yeah, see, here's the thing. Stacked up against, like, Half-Life 2 and Call of Duty 4. I'll give you that. And even old-school Nintendo GoldenEye, yeah. which really kind of broke the mold. Yeah, right. I'll give you that. Ladies and gentlemen, I now give you <laughs> the number, number one, one most overrated video game of all time in the opinion of Aaron Duran. Number one, the world of Warcraft. Just because it is the biggest... Are you just trying to mess with Kristen? No, just because it is the biggest and the most popular does not make it the best. It is a point-and-click type of online fighting. Uh, there are other games that handle combat better, like Camelot Dark Ages. There are other games that have better settings, like, oh, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, because it's middle fracking Earth. And seriously, if you want good interaction with other players, go down to your bookstore and buy D&D. Because if you're going to play a 32-level Night Elf Druid, you might as well do it with real people in front of you. Okay. Well, du duly noted. All right, there there you go. Aaron send Duran. Your, send your hate mail to Aaron at geekinthecity.com. All right. Uh, be sure to join Aaron Duran and a cast of uh, Jillians this coming Sunday, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., the return of CBS. I can't wait to hear that. 
Radio Theater. It's going to be very cool. Uh, new episode of AZ, new episode of Adventures of the Crimson Mist, followed by Musicology, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And Kristen Bowie's at the window waiting to take Excuse up your hand. Excuse me, the stink uh, Have fun with that. <laughs> All right, we want to thank uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastamam and Lisa Desjardins today. Uh, join us next week when our guests will include... I don't know. I've forgotten. Um, Who are you kidding? We don't know. Uh, I got Valley eventually. Rick Emerson, show <laughs> produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AIM 970, the talker in the newsroom. Darcy Zettler on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper. Dave Zinn, webmistress. Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Susan, don't have with me, Reynolds. We want to thank uh, Aaron Duran for joining us as well. And it seems like, do we have somebody else? I'm sorry. Oh, and, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, and Richie's uh, coach Scott McCory from TeamQuestWest.com. Thank you, Sarah Dillon. Uh, like us next, Michael Maris show at seven. See you all Monday. Listen to CBS Radio Theater Sunday at six. Musicology seven. Bye. One big fiesta for illegal aliens and homosexuals.